I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, no friend to global warming bionic. Okay. Although I wouldn't mind some here in the room. <laughs> a little cool here in the Future Quake Studios. Welcome back, everybody, for another week of the Future Quake Show. We actually have a returning guest this week, which yes. does not happen all that often. No, but I'm, I'm glad that we have this guy coming back. Well, the news and current events necessitated that we bring back... Dr. Michael Kaufman, who is the founder of Environmental Perspectives Incorporated, and he's going to be talking this week about the agenda exposed from Climate Gate. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of an, a gentleman who was better informed and positioned to be able to comment on it. Yeah, he's got a PhD, and I think he mentioned a couple of master's mm-hmm. degrees. And and he's <clears throat> he's very influential in the field, but he's also a believer. Mm-hmm. He understands the big picture. And he's, and, also he's an pretty, scientist. and he's also pretty fired up about all this stuff. Well, it, the more you know about it, the more you should be. I'm kind of fired up. Because be there's honest. implications on all levels. Yeah. And I think our listeners will be too. So with no further ado, here's Dr. Michael Kaufman, and we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. Didn't get back from Israel. Not sick. Bionic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tom's mentioning about uh, my, my quick return back here, which we'll talk about at the end of this week. That's a little gastrointestinal but, foreshadowing. But we have a great <laughs> guest that has come back with us on short notice uh, at a request because of some late-breaking news that's been happening that directly relates to his work, his technical work, and his ministry as well. And so we would like to welcome back Dr. Michael Kaufman, who is the founder of Environmental Perspectives Incorporated, to talk about the agenda exposed from ClimateGate. And Dr. Kaufman, I just want to tell you, it's wonderful to have you back again on the Future Quake Show and on such short notice. Well, thank you. I'm glad to be back. Well, I hope you had a positive experience with us last time. Uh, our, our listeners uh, told us that it was a very methodical discussion that allowed them to put the big picture together of what was going on, but we had no idea how prophetic it was going to be for events that were just happening around the corner. You know, our listeners can uh, hear about your full background and credentials, which are quite extensive, uh, on your prior show with us, which is futurequake.com. But for our purposes today, can you give us a brief summary of your sure. credentials in the field of environmental science? Absolutely. I have a Ph.D. in ecosystems analysis and science, as well as a minor in climatology and weather, and have been involved in this for about 25 years when I was leading a million-dollar research effort into the effects of acid rain. I'm not acid, well, acid rain, too, but primarily global warming on our nation's ecosystems. And I begin to, in talking to those different scientists, climatologists, and so forth around the country and around the world, I began to realize that, man, this, there wasn't the science to back this up that they were claiming it was to the, to the public. And after a few years, I started digging into what could be driving this because it was obviously not the science itself. There was an agenda behind it because billions and billions of dollars were being spent every single year to drive this agenda. And there was just really not the science there to warrant it. And when I dug into it, if you follow the money trail, uh, what you find is that the whole purpose of global warming or 
even ecosystems or, or biodiversity or, or desertification, you name it, all those things are designed to implement what they call global governance, which mm. is a euphemism for world government. Mm. And we're at that point now where we're actually seeing that happen with this Copenhagen Convention that's starting here this weekend. Well, that's what I, that was the other reason why we wanted you to come on. Uh, Climate Gate was a late-breaking uh, development that occurred, and we called you immediately after that. But the whole month of December is important because of this up, uh, upcoming uh, Copenhagen meeting. And uh, I find it rather interesting, <coughs> excuse me, because uh, as a scientist myself, uh, uh, much of my uh, experience and background in developing patented technologies has been on developing technologies that have environmental improvements. And, and in fact, the legislation that's being considered at this Copenhagen uh, meeting would, would actually be very advantageous from me from a business perspective because it is so severe in uh, eliminating the status quo of current technologies that are now available. Uh, but uh, th- the scope, I don't think the average public understands what is actually being considered and how it will affect their daily lives. Can you explain to us? Uh, what is yes, what can. is going to happen in the agenda itself, and what kind of impact it could have to each of us? Well, if we start out with Copenhagen, we'll work back to the the cap and trade bill that's in the Senate now. But Copenhagen itself has been in the works now for three years, and it's a major, major global plan to replace the Kyoto Protocol that was done in 1997 that basically affected just the developed nations of the world. The undeveloped nations of the world uh, didn't was not in part of this. Uh, they, they were very much instrumental in trying to push the developed world into it because they had nothing to lose. They had everything to gain because if it became more expensive for developed nations to, to produce products on their own shores, then they might be the recipients of, of those same businesses as they moved offshores to make it cheaper, make the widgets cheaper. And now with the Copenhagen Agreement that has been planned for the number of years, the third world nations, the developing nations, are also accountable to reduce, excuse me, reduce their carbon emissions. And this is a um, major blow to them because, well, and it should be understood that there is no way they can do this without some sort of major income redistribution from the developed nations to the undeveloped nations. And China and India have both said, no, they're not going to support the Copenhagen Agreement because there is no way either China or or India can do this uh, and still help their people get out of poverty. That's the same thing with Russia. It's the same thing with all of the third world nations. Uh, They must have access to fossil fuels, primarily coal and oil and natural gas if they can get it, but those two especially if they're going to increase their productivity of their individual nations to bring their people out of poverty, there is a one-to-one relationship between fossil fuel consumption and, or energy consumption and the prof- profitability, I should say, the wealth of a nation, the wealth of individuals, the gross domestic product per person, all these things depend upon energy. You cannot have it without the energy. Dr. Kaufman, and, Dr. Kaufman, it doesn't it also even affect areas like, for example, refrigeration, which is key mm-hmm. for medical health, uh, preserving yes. food, making sure you don't have spoilage, making sure medicines are preserved and things. Aren't there pretty draconian effects on things like refrigeration systems and the expense of those items? Right. It's, it's there, it, it covers the whole gauntlet of anything that uses energy. 
and I mean any, anything. So it affects everything in your home that has a plug to it. It affects your automobiles. It affects everything that you're involved in, and you need to understand that, especially the refrigeration. And this is big. This is really key to some of the third world nations because we can afford to pay a little bit more for our refrigeration here in this country, but uh, third world nations can't. And as a consequence, their food, the the medications and all the stuff that require refrigeration have always been a major problem for those countries because they cannot store it like we can. Uh, they have to basically replace it almost every single day, anything that's perishable. And mm-hmm. not, it's not until they have the energy that they can have the refrigeration that they can start expanding their ability to into other arenas and develop a quality of life. It's just impossible without it. Mm-hmm. Now, I understand another key component of these kind of discussions ongoing is this cap-and-trade concept, where you right. can trade and barter credits and things like this. Uh, is this not a means by which the well-to-do can, in essence, pollute and harm the environment and buy their yep. way into indulgences, whereas the rest of us <laughs> not only have less money, but we also have a much more restricted lifestyle uh, because of their ability to buy for abuse of the earth. I'm going to switch now, just for the listeners, the idea of Copenhagen for the cap-and-trade bill that's in the U.S. Senate right now. Now, the two are very much related, understanding that, but this is the physical implementation of what Copenhagen's going to demand of all the of the world, what is this cap-and-trade legislation in the Senate. The House of Representatives passed this legislation already in June, it's waiting in the Senate. Uh, right now, it doesn't look like it's going to be brought up this, this year. It might be pushed off in the next year. But you have to watch what's going to happen in the waning days of this session before Christmas, the Christmas break. That's when all these other nasty things are always passed, and nobody's watching because everybody's getting ready for Christmas and so forth. And all of a sudden, you realize the damage that's been done uh, to this nation because of these idiot senators and congressmen. Well, you mean, well, sometimes there's good legislation like the Federal Reserve Act yeah. that oh, they yeah, do. Right. <laughs> 1913. They, yeah, they do great. that. Wasn't it on uh, Christmas Eve or some uh, time like that? They passed it, passed it right. through. When, mm-hmm. when all the people who would vote against it had already gone home. Right. Uh, there was a secret thing in the background that people that they knew want, supported it to stay on an extra day and they reconvened the uh, Congress and passed it, and everybody else was home. So they, it flew through, and, of course, now we have one of the worst systems you can possibly imagine that's been basically causing this nation no end of grief since 1917. But beyond that, or 1912, whatever it was, beyond that, going back to cap and trade, what we're seeing here is a mechanism, and I'm going to explain what it does. It basically every... Uh, five years or so, sets a new limit on carbon emissions. Uh, for instance, if by the year 2020, we're supposed to be down using less than 17, I'm sorry, we're to be reducing our carbon emissions 17% by 2020. We could probably do that. Uh, it's going to be more expensive and so forth. What the problem is that Obama wants to do is to supplement that loss of 17% with green energy, wind power and solar power. And wind power and solar power are extremely, and I, I, it is extremely, and I'll say it one more time, it is extremely expensive. In fact, wind and solar power can be as much as 100 times 
more expensive than fossil fuel. Now, it's not that all the time, but wow. the fact is uh, it can be extremely expensive depending upon where you are. Now, in other places, for instance, in the southwest, solar power may make a lot of sense for at least partial replacement of fossil fuel electrical energy because the sun does shine a lot there. But you still have the problem, what happens when the sun goes down? Well, the problem is when the sun goes down and the wind doesn't blow, you have to have backup power. And that backup power is going to be primarily in the existing coal-fired power production that happens right now. So you're going to have now two systems producing electricity, green power, which is on the average much, much more expensive than fossil fuel energy, as well as the original fossil fuel energy, because green power basically is so unpredictable. Uh, you just can't, it's not 100%. You, it goes up and it goes down even during the day when a cloud passes over on solar farms or during the uh, a windy season, the ebbs and flow of wind. Uh, something has to make up that difference when those turbines aren't moving as fast as they were before. And that almost, because they're not considering nuclear, it has to be fossil fuel energy. So now you have double the cost. You have the cost of green energy plus the cost of the existing coal energy or oil, as the case might be, which is even more expensive now because a lot of the electrical utility rates are now going over to the green energy, so that makes the, the fossil fuel energy that much more expensive as well. And what's happened in Europe, where they've had this now from anywhere from 5 to 12 years, is that their costs have doubled for power consumption. They're, and this is just the start. You know, we're looking at the first 15 years or so, 12 years or so, of what it's going to be like in this new green economy that Obama keeps preaching about every single day. It will double our electricity. And he's even admitted that on TV. Mm -hmm. your, your energy prices are going to skyrocket. You know, we're going to talk we're going to talk about motives and agenda at the end of this discussion. Sure. But I just want to mention that this money just doesn't disappear. This extra money goes in somebody's pocket. Right. And that person with a, with whose pocket it's going into is making significant investments to get this kind of legislation approved. They're Absolutely. making they're making an investment right now to promote this particular legislation. So People need to keep that uh, in, in mind. So um, after this occurs, I, I guess another point I want to make, too, is that uh, there, up to now, there has been a push for taking these alternative technologies and finding new technological ways to make them more affordable. In other words, to make them more competitive to fossil fuels and to keep doing the research until they achieve that objective. Once you legislate and mandate their use... There's really very little incentive for aggressive investment to try to continue to make them more cost-effective, is it not? No, and that's one of the major problems is that they have brought down the price of, of both solar and wind energy tremendously over the last 10 years. But it is still far more expensive than, than the uh, fossil fuel, i.e. coal or oil, production of energy. It just, it's not even in the same ballpark. So they've got a long ways to go. Right now, the primary reason for the cost is there is no way to store that energy. They have to use it right then and there. Right. And as a consequence, uh, if the sun does go behind a cloud or the, it goes down at sunset, you have a major problem. You still have to have that backup, backup fossil fuel power, which means you're running the dual system. Now, I'm not against this green energy. I, I really right. think it has a niche in the future. 
in certain places where it's a lot of a lot of wind, pretty consistent wind, or where it is uh, very sunny, uh, like in the southwest. But in other areas, it really has to be really thought out because there's really no way of being able to uh, transmit that energy. If you were to have enough wind power all over the country to supply, you know, what is blowing here, then you take it from over there and vice versa, so you always have a constant supply of energy with a smart grid that they're talking about, there will be hundreds and millions of acres set aside for these wind farms and solar farms. Uh, it is just, it, it just, these things really consume tremendous acreages of ground for both wind and solar. And as a consequence, these have to be taken out of production. They have environmental problems. In fact, that's their biggest hurdle right now is environmentalists. Uh, and I take my hat off to them. I'm fighting environmentalists all the time because they go to extremes. But in this case, I think they're right. Uh, you really are decimating thousands of acres of land for a really small return on energy when you're putting it in these solar farms and wind farms. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, you're the cause of that, Dr. Coffin, because you messed up their plans to take most of our property with that biodiversity treaty, I believe it was. <laughs> yeah. Where they're going to take most of our real estate and hand it over to the U.N., so they figure this is the second best way to confiscate our land. It's just a... There's some New World Order guy who's put, got a dartboard with your picture on it. Puts, like, oh, I'm gosh! Sure put some yeah. contraptions on it. Uh, just one other quick point, and I want to move on to our main discussion with ClimateGate, but... Uh, uh, can, back, I, can I interrupt you with yes. ClimateGate right now? Sure. We are trying to do the same thing we did with the stopping of the biodiversity treaty. You know, I'm not going to get into it, but we stopped it an hour before the closure vote, which would have caused the Senate to vote on it. Right. Uh, back in 1994. That's a long time ago. But what happened was we all of a sudden piqued the interest of literally millions of Americans in one night. And, of course, <laughs> most Americans don't know what cap and trade. They don't know what Copenhagen is. You know, it's this fuzzy thing off in the distance. Right. It won't affect them that much. When it starts to hit the, hit the headlines and so forth, we have a website. It's called nocapandtrade.us nocapandtrade.us and on that website there is a tremendous amount of information about this issue, about global warming, about the cap and trade, etc. as well as a series of 11 four minute, uh, three to four minute YouTube videos that explain the key points of both the science and the politics and it is, I believe, going to be extremely important when this thing hits the fan to get a virus go viral, some of these YouTube uh, videos to go viral on YouTube and really help start helping the educate the American people. And if you've not been to our nocapandtrade.us website, you really need because it will it will provide you a tremendous background information that you can answer almost mm -hmm. any question anybody asks. And people could take that link and stick it to everyone in their email address book. Mm -hmm. Send yeah. it to them, copies of the YouTube videos and things like that. Uh, I want to make another economic point since I'm an entrepreneur and businessman myself. Um, anytime there's a major change afoot in our society or civilization as we move in technology to another phase, there's always a, a group of entrepreneurs who take great risk and then profit. Um, in a large way from it. You know, I, I think of the guys like the uh, Richard Bransons and people like this who are looking way down the road. And for those entrepreneurs who want to take the risky investments and have the vision to take something and actually make it better than what we now have, 
you know, they're deserving to some extent of the rewards that they, they get for the risk. But there's no sense for the public to actually supplement and underwrite the kind of windfall money that they're going to make by making these draconian rules, correct? Aren't we that in the sense just correct. setting up, we setting up the robber barons by having the public underwrite the windfall profits that they will make? That's exactly right. And boy, that's an export, a very, very important point is that there is nothing new created in this whole process. There's nothing new that benefits society as a whole. All you're doing is basically taking public money and putting it in the pockets of these companies without any real return to the public whatsoever. And it is most of the, one of the most outrageous scams I've ever seen. Hmm. Sounds just like the Federal Reserve. Well, <laughs> yeah, that's true. It does. Yeah, they have the same that's playbook. Yeah, they dust it off. Like, Bernanke doing climate research in his spare time? You remember what the old coach says. It says, I'm going to keep running left until they can stop me, and then I'm going to run right. So if this play play plan still works every time, they still use it. Uh, speaking of scams, um, let's talk about ClimateGate, uh, which is something I'm sure you saw coming. But some individual bravely, and I'm sure you can fill us in on more details than what we hear in the news, because... You, you just hear a lot of vile hissing in between reporting of, of this event that happened. Can you give us an overall summary of what comprised this recent climate gate event? Well, overall, over the last 15 years, those who are skeptical about what the global warming alarmists tell us uh, have known, but we could never prove it, that there was a conspiracy going on behind the scenes. Uh, they were deliberately sabotaging anyone who disagreed with them. We have exposed uh, study after study as being fraudulent. Not me. I haven't been involved in that aspect of it, but the scientific community has. And it has just been very obvious that these people are unscrupulous. They're downright evil. And as a consequence, we can't trust anything they say. But, and I think it's because Copenhagen's coming up this week, that all of a sudden, a whole host, 62 me megabytes of, of emails and other documents and so forth, were released from the, the University of East Anglia's um, Climate Resource Unit, the CFR, CR, CRU, get confused here in acronyms, mm -hmm. CRU. It's the most prestigious of the climate research organizations in the world. And it basically holds all of the raw data of all the surface temperature uh, weather stations and so forth of the world. It's the only one that does that. It's the only one that, ha even though they'll tell you otherwise, they'll say that there's three other repositories of this information. But what they're talking about with those three others, one of them is NOAA, the National Ocean and Aeronautics Association, NASA, National uh, Space Administration, and the Japanese uh, uh, Meteorological Association. Those three hold data, but they're a summarized form of data. And this is critically important because you, if you've read the New York Times or read any of your major newspapers and so forth, they say, yeah, it's not a big deal because we still have these three other sources of data that haven't been corrupted. And what that means basically is they're assuming that they have independent data sources. They do not have independent data sources. They have the same CFRU data that they use. In other words, they don't have the raw data. Only the CRU has that raw data. Now, they may have some additional data of their own, but the basic fundamental database of all four of those reside in the CRU. And as a consequence, there is no independent form of data. We have a major, major scandal if, in fact, the CRU, the uh, 
Climate Research Unit in England has corrupted this data. They have summarized it, they've massaged it, they've harmonized it, they've done all kinds of which isn't necessarily bad, but the fact is we don't have any idea of how they did this. They have never released the data to any other organization that can check what they have done to validate it. Never has that been done. There have been many, many requests. Of all of them are refused. Since 2005, England has had a Freedom of Information Act, and we've had key people both here in Canada and the United States demanding this data so they can verify the massage, uh, summarized data that everybody else uses, and they have been refused. They've been stonewalled time after time after time, year after year after year. And, and finally, this year, there, the CRU was being forced to release the data, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, somehow it got lost. We don't mm. have it anymore. <laughs> oh, man. And, and then, then they, that, that was just a firestorm of controversy within the scientific community. And they said, well, uh, we had to deliberately delete it because it was taking up so much space. We didn't have computer space. Hogwash. Mm-hmm. Storage space in computers is the least cost of anything anymore. used to be quite, quite expensive, but that's not true anymore. Mm-hmm. And then when that raised a firestorm of controversy, they said, well, uh, only part of it was lost. And we still have some of it, and that's what we're going to make available here as soon as we possibly can, probably the end of this year. Well, even if they do, how do you know that that isn't the, the piece that's gone, that's been deleted, isn't the kind of data that just destroys their whole hypothesis that man is causing global warming. Hmm. Uh, you can't take a partial data set and basically recreate what they said was happening. It's just it's not the scientific method. This is a core attribute of the scientific method is that the uh, other people, other scientists, have to be able to duplicate the right. same result as one organization has found, and you cannot do it with a par- partial data set. That's a, so, fundam- that's a fundamental aspect of the scientific method itself, it really is, re- is reproducibility of experiments. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, no friend to global warming still, bionic, maybe even less of a friend. That was almost redundant, middle name. Yeah. You came very close. Well, I'm still no friend of it. I'm, I'm even less of a friend of it now. Okay. So like in the bizarro world of um, the, like the different Tom Bionic... You would be very supportive of... Tom Bionic, I love global government and mm-hmm. the world getting hotter. That would Bionic. be interesting if we did a show yeah. of the bizarre world. Hey, that's an idea. Quake wait, and Tom wait. Bionic. Yeah, <coughs> this is Dr. Future, Tom Bionic, and Janet Marshall. <laughs> watch it, watch it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry, we don't mean to digress. We had a great yeah. guest this week, and uh, we're just getting warmed up because... Uh, uh, no pun intended. Well, maybe nah, it was kind of intended. Uh, Dr. Kaufman um, talked a little, just a little bit at our request about his credentials, but focused on the impact to our daily lives on the on the Copenhagen Treaty mm-hmm. if it is pursued. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I think this global warming has got my throat. Um, but in the intervening weeks, you're going to find out uh, the true deception has been laid out before us. But mm-hmm. someone else who can expose deception is our friend Merv, who can also tell you the truth about how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or Internet, and if we can use your name on air. 
Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Sweet. We gotta go. Let's get out of here. Okay, come back tomorrow for the next installment on Future Quake. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom. No fan of the uh, CRU Bionic. Wow. Yeah, there's some foreshadowing. Uh, there. There's some foreshadowing there. What you're going to hear is our next installment this week of our interview with Dr. Michael Kaufman, the founder of Environmental Perspectives Incorporated, mm-hmm. and we're talking about the agenda exposed from Climate Gate, mm-hmm. from a man who is in the perfect position to inform Futurians about the story behind the story. Yeah. Um, and we really get into it in this next segment. Yeah, he does a great job uh, looking at all this stuff. He's also very good. You know, of course, he has a Ph.D. and a couple of master's degree uh, degrees, which <clears throat> we covered last week. But he's also, you know, a Christian, and he's also just very good at explaining stuff. He'll take what I think is incredibly difficult stuff and, you know, make it intelligible. Like he was talking, you know, in the interview about how... Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's the opposite of us, because we can take very simple stuff and make it very make unintelligible. It, make it unintelligible mm-hmm. and ridiculous. Right. Yeah. Well, I had no idea that Enoch and NASA and the GPM all had the uh, the stuff. I figured, what is Enoch doing there? <laughs> Oh, wait, my note said Noah. <laughs> That's the N-O-A-H. Uh, Thank you, that folks. That biblical humor, you can't beat that. <laughs> I'll be here all week, folks. Well, the fish. let's let's uh, go on and uh, cut to this next segment because we need some time to talk about the ramifications of what he brings up. Mm-hmm. So here's Dr. Michael Kaufman on the agenda exposed from ClimateGate, and we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quick. And, and so they were a pinch point. Uh, they knew they 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 sort of had the I guess they were the main service for the UN I'm presuming, and so yeah. the you know you might think well gee they just think economically because universities are just money making enterprises you you might think that they're, they're trying to preserve their uniqueness by not letting this data out, but it becomes very clear that this is some kind of scam. So before ClimateGate ever hit, it should have been obvious to any thinking person that something was not on the up and up even before these emails came out. Right. Correct. And that was the actual speculation, but there's no way to prove it one way or the other until these emails were released. And then suddenly, all of a sudden, uh, these emails, thousands, 3,000 of them were released. Now, not all of them have uh, incriminating evidence, but a lot of them do. And you have to understand the background that I have just given you to understand how bad this really is. Because if you read the emails and not understand the background to them, well, they sound like, you know, this is not real good. This is certainly, uh, they shouldn't have been doing this, but it doesn't change the overall results. Well, it changes the overall results totally because they have basically admitted in these emails that they have deleted the data deliberately. And they, and uh, Phil Jones, who headed up the CRU, has said specifically that if he's ever forced to release the data, he will delete it before he he asks. He actually uh, releases it. He he said this in this email. And this is a big, big, big deal because basically it means there was something they're trying to hide. You know, he should have worked for this. He should have worked for the CIA. 
<laughs> they like to delete files shortly before they're released to people, too. Yeah. It's right. a common theme of right. people who do not want the light of day to be exposed to what they do. You know, Absolutely. we're, we're going to cover three aspects here. I want to ask you one by one about three categories, and then you can add others if we've missed some. One about how they've manipulated temperature and other data and their, their techniques, and then about how they manipulate public relations and media, followed by uh, how they attack dissenting scientists. But before that, I, I want to understand a little bit more about this university. Uh, is this a public university, the East Anglia University? Do you know who sponsors? Yes, it is. It's a yes, public it university. So I'm right. assuming public funds are being used to generate this information and data? Yes. In fact, uh, over the last five years, the CRU unit that we're talking about has received $22 million. Okay. Wow. So I presume that's the British taxpayers that are that are. Paying. I'm sorry, 22 million pounds, which Ooh. is almost 40 million dollars. Right. right. Yeah. So so I'm assuming the the British public should be privy to that information that they've paid Absolutely. for with their tax dollars. I mean, it's not a it's not a national security issue or anything like this. No. It was it what was. What they claimed, what they claimed, and the reason they withheld the data is they had contracts with countries and so forth that had the, their own data that they would not release it to others. This is what they're claiming, that the basically confidentiality agreements with these countries, which is, you know, they have a point, but they, it would have been very easy for them to develop a confidentiality agreement with somebody like Stephen McIntyre, who has just decimated this whole global warming mm-hmm. uh, agenda out of right. Canada. If they could have had a... a an agreement with him where he could not release the data to anyone else, but he could certainly analyze it to see if he comes up with the same results. That's not a big hard, that's not a hard thing to do. And as a consequence, the fact that they refused to do it, again, goes back to the very idea that they had something really bad to hide. Well, you know, with secrecy, anytime you set up a system of secrecy, corruption is sure to follow in any institution that I'm aware of and that we've covered on this show. And that's a warning that we give even to evangelicals. You know, there are para-evangelical groups that have secret organizations that meet, like the CNP, and they will not let Christian media in or others know what they do. And even if they're well-meaning and virtuous for the most part, corruption will come in when the light of day is not allowed in. And that's a warning for every one of us. And it's a reasonable suspicion when people insist that things be shrouded in secrecy, that there's something that does not want to be known. And, again, some person has come forward uh, for whatever their motives and, and has allowed it to be exposed and really confirmed what, what, what you thought all along. Uh, re- regarding uh, how they've manipulated temperature and other data, th- there have been some very clear-cut emails of what they've done, correct, to, to basically add Temperature data together yeah. artificially yeah. to try to create artificial yeah, right. temperature rises and things? Right. Again, it's a very damning set of emails that showed that, if you remember the con- the hockey stick controversy of the early 2000s. Yeah, Michael uh, Mann. Actually, that right? really blew- Michael, Michael Mann, that really blew up here even this year, even before the release of these emails. But basically what Michael Mann and crew has done, which is very closely linked to the CRU, even though he's with the University of Pennsylvania, or Penn State, I can't remember which. The fact is that he came up with this new curve that basically showed fairly consistent temperatures through the last 2,000 years until we got to the mid-19th century, or 20th century, and all of a sudden the global temperatures skyrocketed, hence the concept hockey stick. And basically wiped out hundreds and hundreds of other research data that showed that we had the 
uh, climate optimum back in 1200 uh, A.D., as well as the Little Ice Age in 1700 A.D. We had in, in 4000 B.C. A, a major temperature spike. It was probably 2 to 3 to 4 degrees centigrade more than it is right now. And there's been actually 24 times in the last 10,000 years during this particular Holocene period in which it has been warmer than it is right now. Now, what they what that basically did is it wiped out a whole set of data that literally hundreds, if not thousands, of research projects have shown on paleontologic research efforts and replaced it with a very tight temperature, very constant temperature, right up until mid-20th century, and then it skyrockets, therefore proving that man is causing global warming. Well, that was the main whole discussion of the 2001 IPCC, the IPCC is being the United Nations uh, Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, their 2001 report basically focused on that graph showing that man was certainly causing global warming, there can be no doubt about it now, et cetera, et cetera. And what happened was that Stephen McIntyre and uh, Ross McKittrick of Canada took that data apart. They asked for two years, three years, to get the source of data that was used in that, the tree ring, tree ring data. And they finally found out what database it was. So they got it, and they tested it. And lo and behold, the, these guys, Michael Mann and crew, used the wrong statistical package. Uh, it was an <laughs> invalid use of those statistics. And that's what created the graph. It didn't matter what data you put it in there. It was going to turn out to be that kind of graph, uh, regardless. You know, that's my, that, that's my nightmare as an engineer, that I would be yeah. exposed to having done that, you know? Well, that's what well, I dream about as far as paychecks. Right, your paychecks, yeah. You know, most scientists are not statisticians. They've taken statistic courses and so forth, but they're not statisticians. And uh, it's very easy to apply the wrong statistical package. And, and, and scientists understood this. Michael Mann was not crucified for it. Uh, because, you know, it could have been an error, even though he continues to say that he was never wrong in the first place. Well, then it came out in 2009, this past fall, that uh, the data that he actually used was not complete. In other words, <laughs> he basically said that uh, he refused to, re he was finally forced to release the exact data set that he used. And what when he finally came out and had to release it, in 2000, fall of 2009, basically what he found, what they found was that they used tree ring data up until 1960, and then in 1960 they started to use the CRU global data, which shows a very steep upward curve in, te in global temperatures. Well, th that's like comparing apples and oranges. You can't do that in science. And as a consequence, I mean, there are times when you want to show trends and so forth. I mean, nobody expects to be statistically accurate that way. But when you're doing a research study that basically says, and the whole economic system of the world is, is going to be based on this one curve, as it was in the early 2000s, uh, you'd better be right. And they basically used a, an approach that is just not looked at very favorably in the scientific arena, and they never, ever said that that's what they did in their paper. They, they make these, led the people to assume that they used tree ring data all the way through. Well, why did they drop the tree ring data after 1960? It existed. Uh, they had that data because the tree ring data showed a cooling during mm -hmm. the period 1960 to 2000, not a warming. 
It blew their whole theory right out of the water. You know, it's harder to manipulate tree rings because somebody can go out and look at a tree ring. (laughs) Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. And it's hard to use tree rings anyway. I mean, dendrochronology is is an interesting science, but you can't hang your hat on it that well because there are other things that affect tree growth as well as as just temperature, water being a big one. Mm -hmm. And uh, so you could have a very wet year but a cool year and still have big tree ring growth. And you can't say that was because of a warm year. Regardless. You, you act like you know a lot about trees and growing. <laughs> yeah, I have a background in forestry, so <laughs> I have a little bit of experience there. Yeah. The interesting thing about it is that uh, this is an evidence of the guy who also said in these emails that he calls anybody that disagrees with him, any research paper that they write with their own results, no matter how well they have it justified, that scientific paper is crap and, and junk science. That's the u- words that he uses and m- others from the CFR unit. CFR, not CFR, CRU unit. That's a Freudian <laughs> slip. That's a Freudian yeah, slip there. Slip. Um, right. Well, well, I want to talk about how they look at other people because this this gets beyond their scientific approach. But there there, there is abuse of the scientific community going on here. Uh, first right. is just generally of of hard data. And, and as I understand it, you know, you, you had warned us about this before in your prior visit about how they can manipulate temperature data. And, and right. now it's finally even made the mainstream news, amazingly, that they actually were artificially adding data. And then you, the emails actually say this, correct? That they were adding it to try to generate a warming trend that did warming. not exist. It's very Absolutely. explicit in the emails, correct? So, Absolutely. So it's an intentional, without any kind of misunderstanding, an intentional deception on the world's population that would affect every man, woman, and child on this globe by a group of people or who are a pinch point of generating the information that decision bodies around the world will make, that they're actually doing this to, to create basically a scam that will influence whoever, whatever agenda they might have. Absolutely. Anybody that knows about the the scientific background of this issue understands it that way. Again, if you just look at the raw emails, it really doesn't hit you that way. You know, it could be, uh, you know, it, it doesn't seem to be all that serious. But when you understand the science behind it, it is extremely experienced, ex- uh, very difficult to deal with because it's it's very, very serious. Let me bring up one other issue that I think is very pertinent in this. Because the global data, the global research, the global temperature data that comes out of the CRU and therefore out of these other three data sets shows very rapid warming, and especially the latter half of the 20th century, uh, to the point where it's pretty extreme. And those who are skeptical, scientists that are, are a little bit skeptical, have always been concerned there is what is called heat island corruption in that. Now, what is urban mm-hmm. heat island Effect. It's basically if right. you have a growing city where you're replacing uh, grass, grassy fields and forests and so forth with hot asphalt uh, pavement as well as roofs and other uh, sundry things, the temperature that is delocalized right around that city can go up by up to 6 degrees centigrade, which is about 9 to 10 degrees Fahrenheit. So it's a very serious implication because what happens is, is at an airport, could be out in the pastures back in the 1940s and 50s when they put the uh, data weather stations out there. And then as time grows along in the 70s and 80s, it begins the urban 
area begin to sprawl around the airport, and now you have all the warehouses with their black roofs and all the rest and, and going on around an airport, it could actually raise the temperature of that thermometer by a number of degrees, uh, four to five degrees. Now, if you throw that into the global data set, all of a sudden, that in itself will show the world is warming. And that's been a major concern of the scientific community. Now, there have been a number of studies that were done to see if this were true, if it were actually having an influence of the, of the warming of, from urban areas in our data matrix. A number of studies showed that we were. But a number of other studies that were designed, I think, deliberately to take out any effect were showing that there, the effect was very minimal. Uh, the CRU itself carried out a number of these studies, and I can't help but think that somehow, because they're so secretive and you can't duplicate their effort, well, uh, and this has been true with many of the scientists who have looked at this data, that it is very difficult to say whether or not they really did the right methodology to demonstrate this. Uh, because it's, it's obvious, it's just very obvious, if you go into a city downtown, it's always warmer than it is in the surrounding countryside. So to say that it doesn't exist, I think, is really stretching the point. Right. But anyway, there have been a number of studies that were done in the past, and basically those were all out of the IPCC 2007 report. Hmm. Only those studies that showed that there wasn't any difference were included, and therefore they left the data alone globally. And so we have a situation where that global data we think, is extremely polluted with this heat island effect. In mm. fact, there was a number of studies done subsequent to the 2007 report that have shown very clearly, there's been a global study shown, if they look at the socioeconomic statistics of urban growth, population increases, and a number of other things that indicate the type of land use changes that goes along with urbanization, and compared to the temperature, there was a statistically significant correlation between human activity and the temperature in that particular area. And as a consequence, I think it showed very conclusively that it was very, very striking. Also, if you look at the U.S. data, now the U.S. data has been technically corrected for heat island effect. That's what they tell us anyway. And it shows, and this is the other thing, this corrected data from the United States, if you plot it over from 1890 to uh, 2000, 2009, what you find is that there is a peak in temperature in the 1930s and 40s, and it, it drops down again in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, and then peak starts to go back up again to where we are right now. And this gets into the NASA and NOAA databases because you have James Hansen, who is in charge of the NASA database, who is a rabid, and I mean rabid, foaming at the mouth type of, of bias for global warming. I mean, it is, he's called for the Nuremberg Berg tri type trial mm -hmm. for CEOs, uh, wow. for crimes against humanity, and that sort of thing. He's in charge of the NASA data, and he's constantly fidgeting. It's constantly going up. If you look at the, what the NASA said happened in the year 2000, and back in 2000, and look at it today, it's gone up a degree. So there's, he's constantly applying these mathematical programs to constantly cause an increase in the temperature, and he refuses to release the data. Uh, so ironically, I'm getting off down a rabbit trail here, but there's no. been a lawsuit uh, 
actually made, I guess, today to against NASA because NASA has stonewalled under the Freedom of Information Act two years of efforts to get a hold of that data and all the subsequent stuff around it. Wow. So I think we could start to see here in the next few months a, a situation like we saw in NASA like we saw in the CRU. At least that's mm-hmm. what we're suspecting is going wow. to happen. You know, anyway, my, if, if my, you, yeah. my opinion is if a, if a publicly supported institution, scientific institution, refuses to let their data be peer-reviewed, then they've done no service for the public and they have to be disregarded. I would totally agree with you on that. Absolutely. Uh, but let, even with that, even with that, what you see is there's two peaks in the 20th century of warming. One, 1930s and 40s, one in the 1990s and early 2000s. And if you look at that specifically, what you will find is the warmest temperatures were in the 1930s and 40s, not the 1990s and 2000s. Now, James Hansen has manipulated that database again and has forced it to so that the hottest temperatures are 1998 and 2000 again. But this is what brings so much suspicion to what he's doing because he is literally cooking the books. There's no doubt about it whatsoever. You just can't prove it. But nonetheless, we don't see that big increase in temperature in the United States data that you see in the global data. And the United States data, as bad as it is, is still 100 times better than the global data. And what what you have to come up with is, well, why is the global data showing Massive increases in temperatures. I mean, really bad increases in temperatures in the 1990s or 1980s, 90s, and 2000s. When the U.S. data doesn't show that, it shows an increase, but it shows it's no more than it was in the 1930s and 40s. Mm-hmm. And what the only only thing that you can come to a conclusion on is that the heat island effect has been partially removed from the U.S. data set. It has not been removed at all from the global data set. And therefore, almost all the temperature increase in the latter part of the 20th century with the global data set is due to heat island effects. Okay. And then there's one more thing that is very alarming. And that is basically, if you have, uh, if you look at the actual U.S. data that's supposedly been corrected, and you look at that and you take out the urban data and compare it to the rural data, what you find is the rural data remains pretty much constant through the whole period. It does; it goes up and it goes down, but it's really no more warmer now than it was mm-hmm. back in the 1950s, say. But if you look at the urban data, there is a steady increase in temperatures during that same period of time. So what we're seeing here is more evidence that even though the data is supposed to be corrected, not all of that heat island effect has been taken out of the U.S. data. Mm-hmm. And really, when you really get down to it, if you eliminate all of that, at least one-half to 80 or 90% of the warming that occurred in the 20th century would be taken out if you eliminated the heat island effect. Well, wow. Well, I think the good news from that is that... Uh... Wait, what was that last number? Any, well, we know it's at least half. Wow. But there is some <laughs> work. Yeah, but there is some work being done with some of the scientists. I talked to Roy Spencer a few months ago, who used to be in charge of all the satellite data up until last year when he changed jobs, and he basically said that if, if he is right, they have overestimated the global temperatures by as much as 80 to 90% in the last 50 to 60 years. Wow. 
Well, I, I want to move it, on to... It's to, not a small thing. No, that's huge. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, one take, bionic. What's that mean? I'm not sure. It's foreshadowing. It's even more mysterious than foreshadowing. <laughs> it's five-shadowing. So what did you think of that, uh, that segment, talking about Climate Gate and the impact of it? Well, gosh, where to begin? The whole idea that, uh, um, and I've seen this, I've already seen this a couple of times in different defenses, uh, in YouTube clips that I've seen of, mm-hmm. of White House officials talking about this. They'll say, well, this really doesn't change all that much. It's damning and mm-hmm. uh, these other things, but it doesn't change all that much because we have other independently verified sources for the same data that they fudged. Uh, well, as as Mr. Kaufman, Dr. Kaufman here just revealed that all of these other all of these other sources here have summarized forms of the original data that's being that's held at East Anglia University. It's like, wow. You mean there's only one place mm-hmm. for this data? Right. They're the pinch point and everything else has been pre chewed by them before they get it. Mm-hmm. They're Isn't the, that interesting? They're the big climate molar. Yeah, I thought about this whole issue of Bible translations, like we talked about with Chris Pinto. Mm-hmm. Same kind of thing. You have to know what path mm-hmm. the translation made its way to. Who got their hands on it? Yeah. In the way to the next stop. Well, and that's and you see that uh, that seems to be a uh, uh, an mo of people who want to rule by, um, you know, a, a small elite group of people. You see that even in. Uh, like the Supreme Court these days, you know, a small a small group of judges who, uh, by rights, some of them have very little mm-hmm. grounding in, uh, like, what the Constitution actually says. Right. And it's very interpretive, uh, all justifying one particular type of, uh, of slant mm-hmm. without, you know, being very far away from the foundings, the founding fathers' things. You see that same sort of idea of the pinch point there as you do here in East Anglia, mm-hmm. where they... Uh, um, are you know, if you can't win people us. over by actually showing them, you know, getting them on your side with the facts or the stuff like that, just be covert. I just resort to name calling. Is that right? Which is the next thing that they used here. Exactly. You know. Exactly. In fact, the media has been carrying the water from them since then. Yeah. <clears throat> they have focused on this terrible criminal act of somebody to release public information from a public university on public hardware sent out to the public. And the terrible criminal activity of yeah. releasing that information. Well, what's interesting is watching, is watching the, uh, um, watching the people fight, fight. You're watching the scientists debate each other. And whereas scientists who were skeptical of global warming used to measure their words and just get mowed down mm-hmm. by these people who were really um, uh, not nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they're just like, you know, you're totally exposed. We caught you. It's all right here. We got you red-handed. Yeah, yeah, it's, you know? it is red-handed. And what's funny is they act all prim and proper behind a microphone at conferences and stuff, and they make their comments very careful and very biting, but very, very professional. Mm-hmm. But when you see their emails and stuff, they're mm-hmm. no different than those women on the View. Going <laughs> at it, really, <clears throat> you know, just condescending, yeah. juvenile. Yes, you know, exactly. and that's what they are. And that's what's going on in their head. Yeah, well, speaking of juvenile. Speaking of juvenile, exactly. My thought, exactly. High five. Merv, would you please come in and tell our listeners how to contact us at Future Quake? Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E 
at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. And we need to go. All right, let's get out of here. Okay, come back for the next third exciting installment with Dr. Kaufman. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Phil Jones. Just kidding. I'm Tom Bionic. <laughs> you could be. I understand he's out of work now at East Anglia, the head of the CRU. I think he the, may be filling in for I think a new the position. Future phone just, wo- just rang and wanted to, wanted to see if he could be a, like an on, on-air commentator. Well, if you knew, we need a bureau of deceptive backbiting. Yep. <laughs> he's he like, might be open. I'm just the man for, for the job. That's right. The reason why we're talking about this is this week we have Dr. Michael Kaufman, who is the founder of Environmental Perspectives Incorporated, talking about the agenda exposed from ClimateGate. And couldn't pick a more timely topic. Indeed not. Really appreciate uh, Dr. Kaufman being available on very short notice. Yeah. Uh, to come in and talk about the big picture, mm-hmm. uh, how, how we should derive the significance of it. So yeah. I guess we should just go right to it. You want to do it? Okay. Uh, here's our third installment with Dr. Michael Kaufman. And we'll be back to discuss it further here at Future Quake. I, I want to move on. To, we, we've got a number of topics of the ramifications of this. Uh, one is yeah. I, I want to talk about how these uh, individuals at East Anglia in the CRU unit, what were their techniques as revealed in their emails of manipulating public relations in the media? Were there some things that sort of showed about the message that went out or yeah. preserving a position? Right. Let's take the BBC, for instance. The BBC, uh, about three months ago, released a story, an article for the very first time that kind of weighed both sides of this issue, and it was a fairly balanced approach. Now they wound up saying, well, we're still having man-caused global warming, et cetera, and so on, but they raised the points the skeptics have been making over the last uh, 10 years or so. That sent the CRU unit or group, which is really all over the, all over the world, ballistic, and basically they called the BBC and dressed them down for writing that article and intimidated them to the point where they have not read, written anything since that time that's contrary to the so-called consensus of these thousands of scientists, which is another misnomer. Uh, let me just digress for a moment. A study was done on the 2007 IPCC report. You remember to be a solid consensus of all the, study, the scientists that worked on that document? Well, it turns out that the critical chapter 9, where it's 90% certainty that man is causing global warming, there was only 60 scientists that actually worked on that scientist and on that paper and then reviewed it. And of that 60, only four, only four agreed with the consensus statement. So rather than having thousands of scientists in consensus, and there are probably quite a few, in actuality, Within this, within the ICC, IPCCC group, there was only four that had consensus with it. That's a big difference. When you start realizing how they have skewed this whole thing, it's an outright lie. Now, getting back to the BBC, what happened was that they basically have not written another, art, another article that presides or 
actually gives out the other side or the skeptic's point of view. Uh, another issue is they have literally tried to destroy any uh, literature organization that does publish these, these documents and so forth, research results. They have destroyed, tried to destroy any publication that has published any of the skeptics' uh, work. Now, they have a lot of political clout because this is the premier organization of the entire world besides the IPCC. The IPCC depends upon them for their information. And as a consequence, they carry a lot of clout, and they started to come down on climate news and re or climate research, which is an organization, a group of, of people who publish scientific results using the peer-reviewed process. And there have been several papers published by skeptics. And you ought to read, I mean, it's, it's, it's really almost too much to be put out on the airwaves, the type of language that's used to describe the editors that allowed this to happen. Uh, it was scathing. In one of the publications, the Geophysical Newsletter, which is the premier uh, news outlet for research on global warming. I mean, it is the top of the top. It is very strong. It has very strong peer review and so forth. And one of the editors basically allowed Epic's article to be printed in that in that in their newsletter. It's not really a newsletter; it's a magazine. Nonetheless, he allowed that to be published. It was peer reviewed. It was very solid science, very solid statistics, and so forth. And they put so much pressure on the review board of geophysical newsletters that they had the editor fired. Mm -hmm. This is the type of thing that's going on and why you're only hearing one side of the story in the media. Of course, the media, if you look at the Los Angeles Times, you look at the New York Times and all the rest of them, they might have printed one or two articles on this uh, climate gate, but that's all they printed. The NBC News, uh, ABC News, CBS, hardly mention it, may have mentioned it once or in passing or something of that nature, but they all say if they publish anything, it's irrelevant because it, it doesn't change the, the overall results at all. Well, I think after you've listened to me for the last hour, uh, you begin to realize that this is a very big deal, and it does have major consequences on the scientific integrity of their position. You, you know, if I talked to other people and said, did you know that they're coming after scientists, well-credentialed scientists, who disagree and say the data does not support this claim, that they're attacking their career, they're actually even going after their their degrees and background. I've, I've even heard reports where they've tried to have uh, awarded PhDs withdrawn from people who've done work in this that's area crazy. and others. <clears throat> that wow. uh, people would say, well, that's just a conspiracy theory. Except these are established facts, correct? Right. What we're talking about is factual fact. data. So, right. so the real conspiracy, the conspiracy, if, if somebody wants a conspiracy theory, the conspiracy are, is what these people are doing that's been exposed by these emails that have been released. That's the real conspiracy theory, correct? They're, they're conspiring correct. to sell on the public. And so people who are trying to expose this information are trying to expose and dispel conspiracy theories, the conspiracy being the global warming uh, theory right. itself. Excuse me. So, you know, I, I think they're, they're very clever in how they, they, they put the shoe on the other foot uh, on, on who's defensive on these matters. But uh, uh, 
so we have scientists here who have, in these emails, as I understand them, reveal opinions about not only these these other scientists, and they, they, they say, and who knows if they're serious or not, about physical threats to some of these gentlemen or things they should do to them or this or that, but a, a manipulation of the data where, where it really goes beyond the ethics of scientists who are supposed to objectively generate data and let the gener- data do the talking, correct? Haven't they stepped beyond the ethics of what it means to be a scientist, just like m- medical doctors have a Hippocratic Oath, that, yeah, that they've really ruined their reputation to be trustworthy in this respect? Yes, they have. The problem that comes with that is that because of a relatively small group of people who happen to be in very powerful positions and in influential positions, the whole scientific community is now tainted. Right. How can an average citizen, if this ever gets out and is fully exposed, especially if the NASA uh, cauldron ever is exposed, people are never going to have another faith in science again, ever. How could they right. when they know it could be so easily corrupted? And this is the real danger that I see as a scientist is that these idiots in their zeal to prove a point that they they really don't have the right the data for, but they're convinced in their own mind that they're right, uh, have done to try to shut down all dissent and everything else, that it is, uh, is the big problem is going to become this going to be a loss of confidence in science mm-hmm. itself. Really, you're no longer functioning as a scientist anymore. You're, you're functioning as an advocate. Yes. Uh, you're, you're actually uh, become salesman in a respect instead of a, a scientist when you get to that point. I would almost say like more like a cult member. Well, there's a lot of this that resembles a religion, certainly, isn't it? In I, the, I watched in a, the zeal yeah, that's there. I watched a, a, a clip where they had a they had a gentleman on saying that this is, uh, you know, the the global warming was complete bogus and all this other stuff, and then it was followed up by Senator Inhofe who agreed, mm-hmm. and then they had a, a gentleman, a, an actor. Mm-hmm. Who you know has tons of credentials to speak about sure. this, tongue in cheek, and he just he went off on the uh, the gentleman the, the gentleman speaker mm-hmm. leading the discussion, telling him he didn't know anything, he was stupid, these other people were stupid, that uh, this is all peer reviewed stuff, and uh, this changes nothing, and he was like yelling and screaming, waving his hands and stuff. It was well, <laughs> it was really weird. It's like saying there is no God. If you say yeah. this is not true, it's like telling these people there is no God. Mm-hmm. And so it's no longer a sane discussion and debate. It is a defensive debate about what they've built their hopes and dreams on. Yeah. It's very much a humanistic uh, view of mankind saving the world. Is, mm-hmm. is it not? Absolutely. I agree. In fact, there's uh, pretty solid evidence now. If you, you take a look at the various aspects of what co- what makes up a religion. I'm not talking about Christianity because I don't consider Christianity a religion. But if you look at how, what the various components of religion and how people have to basically accept it or have it, uh, you know, when they either believe it or they don't believe it, etc. and so on. I don't know what all the points are anymore. But you basically are dealing with a religious attitude about this. And it's a fanatical attitude. It's the same type of fanaticism that you see with the Islamic uh, extremists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, who, I'm not talking about the Islam in general. I'm talking right. about the extremists. Well, it's those who say you can lie for the cause, for the sake of the cause. You, you can lie and say uh, for sake of the greater cause, and it's somehow noble. And that's what yes. these gentlemen are doing for their scientific jihad uh, that they're conducting. You know, how many of the things we, we've covered a lot just so far in this interview? How many of these different elements? Uh, 
had you already previously asserted on our show and elsewhere way before this event occurred? I, I recollect that a large part of that you predicted to us was ongoing and would be exposed one day. Well, you know, it's one of the things that I've had experience with is that if you look at Psalms 2, for instance, uh, the uh, the psalmist basically said the kings and so forth can kings of the earth. Want. Yep. If God is not in it, if God wants to, to blow it up, he will. That's how we stopped the biodiversity treaty from being ratified. Uh, it wasn't us. I mean, how in the world did we get a hold of 4 million people overnight to make this thing happen in the U.S. Senate the following day? It, it just wasn't us. It was, I think, God was in it. And I think this is probably God's, he's basically, this is my opinion. You can take it or leave it for whatever it's worth. But you can basically say he's given us a glimpse into the tremendous deceit and evilness behind that. It's up to us to do with what he has given us information on. Our website, nocapandtrade.us, provides you with the accurate, as accurate information as I have available as to what's going on. It's up to you as to what you do with that information. Now, if we sit back on our haunches and do nothing after having this available to us in the realization that we can make a difference by exposing what continuing to expose what has already been exposed, then he will use that, and it won't happen. But mm-hmm. if we don't, we sit back on our haunches and say, well, it really doesn't pertain to me and so forth, we're going to find ourselves really quick in a situation where we no longer have many freedoms at all, right. and we have a much, much, much lower income. Well, I guess the point I was was trying to make is you that you can't get much lower than mine. <laughs> the, 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 the point I'm in trouble. <laughs> the point I was trying to make is that you came onto our show before, and you've you've been in a lot of forums, providing specific information about manipulation of temperature data, yeah. about an agenda that was being sold, about a manipulation of media, other groups, and it has been exposed in spades. With this information, yeah. independently, yeah. red-handed. Um, is there anything that you found surprising, or is this basically what, what what's come from this information exactly what you anticipated? Maybe may surprised that it was so explicitly exposed, but anything else that you were surprised about? I I find it's right in line with what you warned us about. No, I don't see anything in what's been exposed that I wouldn't have expected to be the case behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually think it's actually worse than what is exposed, and I think that will come out mm-hmm. if they ever get the information out of NASA. I, I really mm-hmm. think there has been basically a whole system of corruption in that whole or in that or that part of the organization. Now, I have a lot of respect for NASA in general, but I think they have, <clears throat> excuse me, a person who is in charge of this, who is about as corrupt and evil as you possibly and and deranged. I think I've heard mm-hmm. many scientists. They think he's insane. And I think there is legitimate physical, mental grounds for saying that. This guy is nuts. And uh, when we get those emails, when we get that data, I think we're going to see, see a very systematic uh, effort to try to, to really skew the data so that mm-hmm. we're showing more warming than actually existed. Well, we're going to talk about the spiritual side of this at the end of the show, but uh, I want to make sure we bring up then that this is something, it's a spiritual issue. We can have Christians pray and pray that spiritually this would happen that the works of evil would be exposed and then it becomes our responsibility to get the word out to everybody uh 
the Lord can work out things like exposing this evil, like this climate gate. The job then falls on us to get the information out. But but I just wanted to mention that those of you listening, um, because of climate gate and how it so aligns with what Dr. Kaufman has told us in the past, it might be a good idea to take what he says very, very seriously, including additional information in his documentaries, other materials, he has been vindicated by he's this world data. Yeah, he's basically predicted all right. this stuff a year and a half ago. Listeners, yeah. you better you better take what else he says very seriously. Get the information because it's like reading tomorrow's newspapers today. And I yeah. just highly recommend that they take very seriously uh, the latest research that you're doing. Well, hopefully uh, you've got some predictions on the stock market that I can use <laughs> like that. You know? Well, actually, <laughs> we wrote an article back in 1999 that predicted the economic collapse that we saw last year uh, because it could have been done any time. Mm-hmm. We know enough about and I'm not an economist, but I work with economists, and there's enough information out there to know that the whole thing was about ready to collapse, and they were they were basically propping it up for years and years and years until they had the right opportunity, and the right opportunity occurred in September 15, 2008, just a month and a half before the elections uh, that would just scuttle John McCain's candidacy as, mm-hmm. as for president and get Barack Obama in there because they knew he was their man. Mm-hmm. Well, if you play your cards uh, right, you might get Tom Bionic's big uh, big account there for uh, money management. <laughs> yeah, dollars and dollars. <laughs> hey, uh, the uh, since this came out, what have been the ramifications? The key, you know, groundswell. What what have been the ground shaking events that have happened since this all came to light? Well, there is a number of things going on within the Copenhagen Group itself, and that's I think very important. They're going to try to blow this over and not even look at it during Copenhagen next week. And uh, I don't know how successful they're going to be. I mean, they hold the reins of the power in that meeting. But there are a number of groups within the United Nations who are going to try to force this issue. And when they do, it's going to be, I think, quite nasty if they're successful. Because it will basically – and China and, and India might be the two that do it, actually. Uh, I have great hopes that they could use this to really embarrass the West, and they should, mm-hmm. and we should be embarrassed. What I'm afraid of now, India might go ahead and do it anyway. They've been rattling around, kind of talking about it for the last week about doing just that. China, I don't know. You know, I've had a chance to talk with Chinese delegates to these climate change meetings in the past, and they basically know the man isn't causing global warming. They, they kind of mm-hmm. laugh at us. They go along with these meetings because they're trying to get the United States and the Western world to commit to something that's going to destroy their economy right. so China could take over. That's the whole, and that's what they told me. I mean, this is, <laughs> it wasn't really surprising, obviously, yeah. but he just shook his head and he said, how can you guys be so stupid? And I, I, we basically said, well, it's, it's not because we don't know what's going on. It's because it's a political agenda that you need to watch out for, too, because they're going to try and, and mm-hmm. they were aware of, it, of this global governance. Uh, China is very much aware of it. Back If you go back to some of the things that were going on back in 2000 and so forth, uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot of things going on behind the scenes that nobody else knew about. And uh, it was, uh, it was very, a very dangerous time politi- geopolitically during that period of time yeah. because China and Russia were doing everything they can to try to derail what was going on in the West 
they knew that we were going to have world government. They just wanted to be the ones on the top of the heap. Sure. You know what's ironic, though, about yeah. you, you've mentioned these emerging uh, economies, uh, these countries uh, being ones resistant to this. They are the very ones, by my personal observation, are the ones that tend to be most aggressive in in creating top-level scientists in their own community and in their own countries, in coming to American universities. Uh, my experience and others I know uh, in the science field, if you go for doctorate degrees, for example, or other advanced education, most of them come from those emerging cultures. Uh, I think I was the only American national in my university with a doctorate in engineering at the time that I was pursuing it. And so they have put a premium, and this is just my observation, on uh, high-quality science, uh, technology, engineering, this approach. And so obviously that's reflected in their culture. In our culture, we sort of have a, a dumbing down of our culture. Yeah, it's where there's the no fluoride. <laughs> it could be. There's no excellence in education anymore. You know, uh, I, I know of um, a young person today in, in a local school and uh, found out that, that uh, no longer are they required to take biology or chemistry. They can take ecology in right. school. Now, ecology is not bad. That's good to know. But that was the whole substitute for the hard science. And as you know, yeah. ecology can often just be veiled political information. Absolutely. In fact, it usually is now in most universities. That's right. So, you know, but this was in a high school level. So, so we have a dumbed-down college, and in fact, if you watch the, the commercials on TV now, I've just noticed on, on, on your news channels and things like that, they're targeting young people now with lowered expectations in their education and their schooling and trying to promote them in this direction. And uh, it really sets us up to swallow this kind of stuff. Uh, and it does. It, I have really noticed that uh, tremendously. And if you look at the demographics now, I'm... I'm one who says there's as much problem with the Republicans as there is with the Democrats. However, if you look at this particular issue of global warming, what you find is 86% of Democrats still believe a man is causing global warming, where it's less than 50%, around 40% for Republicans. Now, why is that? Because most Democrats have actually gone over the line from free market to socialistic ideas. And you will find, no matter where you are, if you're a socialist, you're depending upon big government. Uh, big government is the answer to everything. And as a consequence, if big government says there's a problem, there must be, and we have to believe it. We don't. We don't uh, try to to um, investigate it to see if it's true or not. Mm-hmm. Well, I think you would find too the people who tend not to just adopt it and swallow it are the older members of society. Yeah. The younger yeah. members are being hit at a very very young age in school, and are being taught this. And w- when they hear it from a teacher. They believe it's the truth. They're, they they, they don't yet have the capability for critical thinking. Well, most of the graduates today don't have any ability for critical thinking even for the 30 or 40 years old. Right. Uh, I right. can't believe some of the harebrained ideas that some people have, which shows they believe they're great deep thinkers, but it is linear thinking, about one molecule thick. And I, I, I really have to take my uh, shake my head and say, why can they be so evilly deceived? Because I getting back into the spiritual realm, mm-hmm. it could be nothing more than education, but I really think there's a spiritual element to this, too. When yeah, they reject too. God and they reject Christ, what they're doing is rejecting the truth, and all of a sudden uh, they're believing the lie. Now, I'm not talking mm-hmm. about the great lie, but what I'm talking about is a lie. I never could understand how people could believe the great lie 
that's that Paul talks about. But I can certainly understand it now. Right. Well, you, you know, in, in, in Romans says that God eventually will give them over to that kind of mind. Yeah, uh, that's a great mind. That's right. And uh, we, we see that in time when, when the light of truth is, is turned away. But, you know, this, this is uh, the type of issues that require discernment from a public and a skill of discerning thinking. And it's sort of a perfect cocktail that's been a perfect storm that we cover here on Future Quake of the news media we've been exposed to, the authority figures that we've had in our society, even the nutrition, all these different aspects we've had, the breakdown of, of moral authority. Um, but I'm afraid that it's affecting the church as well, too. Oh, big time. And that's why we get, uh, you know, uh, lighthearted, nice and chewy uh, theological teaching but the real hard stuff, the really deep thinking, you got to go back and pick theology t- books that are 100 years old uh, yeah. before they had the effects of television, mass media, other kind of things where they've had to dumb down. You know, you find those books are very hard for the average person to read today because there was a certain skill and reading ability that we've largely lost in the public. So you've got to make them think things much simpler for people to understand. Yeah, with computer games and everything else uh, that this generation has grown up on, it, for them, most people do not like to read anymore. It's the generation that still enjoys to read, and that's where you're going to find the, the, the meat of what, we, what we're talking about here today. Uh, let me just give you a couple other websites, if, if I can. Sure. If you're interested in this DVD that we talked about at the very earliest part of the, of the conference call here, uh, the Global Warming or Global Governance DVD. It's a powerful DVD. It goes into the politics of what is actually happening, providing also some of the science behind it. And you can find that at warmingdvd.com. That's warmingdvd.com. And if you're interested in the, the most up-to-date science as that can be actually used in classrooms, it's designed to be used in classrooms, high school and, and middle school classrooms, but also just as good in the living room. Uh, that one is Global Warming, Emerging Science and Understanding, and it is powerful. It basically shows that man cannot be causing global warming. It's physically and so, from a scientific perspective, it's impossible that man causes global warming. And it shows you dozens of different scientists and so forth talk about this particular issue and others. And it's, it's a great video as well as the other one. And it can be found at Emerging Science, Emerging Science, Easy to remember. dot us, emergingscience. dot us. We're back in Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom. Still not a fan of climate research or the CRU anyway, mm-hmm. but now even less of a fan. It's kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Bionic. Mm. And probably the longest uh, middle name to date this week. Uh, for the week, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, they get longer when I get frustrated, and I'm just looking mm-hmm. at this whole thing, and I feel like. I feel like I've been categorically lied to, and this this mm-hmm. email is not a smoking Hopefully gun. Hopefully not on future quake. It's like a nuclear weapon. You know? Right. It's like... You know this is the tip of the mushroom iceberg. Mushroom cloud. Yeah. You know this is just one little one dangling. <laughs> like, just think what else there is. Yeah. Just think what else is really... This is something that affects every man, woman, and child mm-hmm. on the planet. You're right. Based Built on a deception. Well, I'll tell you, the thing that scares me is that as these deceptions sort of unravel, uh, the people in charge... Uh, I'm, I worry that they don't resort to some sort of inane method and try and kill off two-thirds of the world's population. Well, <clears throat> that, they think that would help their climate data. I know. But I can tell you somebody else deceptive is uh, Merv, who can tell you how to contact us here at Future Quake. 
Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, that's it. All right, let's get out. He's not really deceptive. Come back for the last installment with Dr. Michael Kaufman tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, warmingdvd.com, Bionic. Hmm. Now, people are going to look up warmingdvd.com, Bionic. What are they going to find on the Internet? (laughs) (laughs) Clever clever middle name, though. Yeah. Uh, The the reason why he brought that up is uh, warmingdvd. Warmingdvd.com, yes. Is is from our guest, Dr. Michael Kaufman. Mm -hmm the founder of Environmental Perspectives, and is our uh, guest this week talking about the agenda exposed from ClimateGate. And uh, not only being a premier scientist, but also being a Christian, uh, he's able to look at the sociopolitical issues and Mm -hmm. the spiritual issues. Yes. And we've already touched on it somewhat in this interview, Mm -hmm. and we'll definitely be talking about it in this segment of the interview. Yeah, he's the real deal. Sure appreciate him coming in on short notice to sharing with us. And so let's go to that last segment, and then we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. You know, you're you're an example of someone who was at the top of your field, uh, a very lucrative field. You can make a very lucrative income if you applied your current skills uh, in, in your regular profession. Yeah. But you have chosen, in service to the Lord and to your fellow man, to, to do this educational role. Uh, where you've made sacrifices, but I'm sure you feel very satisfied, although it can be very frustrating, to, to yeah. take the skills, the thinking, the way of thinking, the discerning approach, and teach other people, anyone who will listen, but particularly people in the household of faith, create tools that people then can go take to their to their own children, take to people in their youth departments at their schools or at their churches, different groups like this, and you've dedicated your life to get this information since we do have a dumbed-down society, you're in a unique position to try to make a difference for people who do at least have ears to listen and want to learn. Is there a call? That's been our prayer all along. Is there a call for other scientists, Christians, people who 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 have a a hearing in their heart that you know they've done well, they've worked extremely hard in their career, they've obtained a pinnacle in in science or or law or medicine or these other areas. Uh, they, they've done well, and they deserve. You know, they, they've earned their, their their success and things like this, but they feel a calling to the Lord, and they see what's happening in the world around them. What would you say to these people about taking the risk that you did to taking what they know and do what they can to rescue the perishing and try to enlighten and expose the works of darkness uh, to those who will listen, particularly those within the church body itself? Uh, was it a decision worth making, and... and and should they actually be contemplating joining and doing what you're doing? 
Absolutely. I think that everyone should be down on their knees and praying to ask what God wants them to do. Now, there are different levels. Understand, uh, not everybody's going to be called to do what I've done, even if you're a scientist and so forth. You may be in a position in your scientific uh, employment to do more good within the whatever group you're with right. than to try to quit and do what I'm doing. And But it's important to be praying and seeing how God leads you to do what you can do to expose what's going on and pray at the same time as people begin to realize they've been lied to. I mean, this is a pretty easy one to, to persuade people. Once the facts are known, they realize that they have been lied to with a huge, huge agenda to create world government. Then maybe they're going to be open to more spiritual things and be praying that God would use this enlightenment of people who do not know Christ to come and be exposed to the fact that Christ is our Lord and Savior. The second thing is, and that can be done in your workplace. I mean, you, you may have to be careful of what you do in your workplace, but nonetheless, you can still make an effort to expose the truth uh, as we know it in the scientific realm, even if you can't talk about spiritual things in the workplace itself. You can certainly do it outside the workplace because once people begin to understand that you're a source of the truth, they're going to want to talk about other things as well, and that's got to be God that pricks their heart for that. Mm-hmm. Now, the other thing is that there are going to be some people who are called to do the same thing I was, because I definitely was called to do what I'm doing. In fact, two years before I was even considering leaving my job, in the evenings I was drawing that map that was used on the U.S. Senate floor to stop the biodiversity treaty from being ratified. I didn't have a clue as to why I was doing that. I couldn't see how that would ever be used. And yet I really felt convicted that God was calling me to draw that map, even though I could not see how it Mm -hmm. would be used. So, and then when it finally did, uh, I finally realized I had to quit because my job, because it going to this full time, uh, because God was leading me in that direction. That map was basically ready in 1994 to be introduced to the Senate Whereas, and it took me years to do it, so I just couldn't have done it in a few days. I had to have had it done already. But God used it basically to stop the, the ratification of that treaty, or we would be much further down this road already. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're heading that way anyway. I mean, they're trying to go around it, but nonetheless, it's taking them a lot longer. What they could have done in, in one year back in 1995 has taken them 15 years to do uh, because they don't have mm-hmm. the force of that treaty behind them. Right. So you never know how God's going to use you. You just have to be sensitive to and sometimes it can get frustrating, you do well know, right. uh, trying to discern what God wants you to do. But take little baby steps, go in one direction to see if he seems to be blocking you or it's not the right thing to do, and then try something else, and you will find what he really wants you to do. But, you know, people who are successful, people who have obtained um, credentials and distinguished themselves, uh, God can use people like that in unique ways to inform and protect and discern as a as a light of discernment for the rest of the body. And if the Lord tarries another generation, if if he can stand back another generation, only he knows, we will need other young people in our churches to go in the kind of paths you've gone, correct? So then yeah. they can be worthwhile voices and speak with integrity and to be able to shine the light on the deceptions like this. You know, global warming won't be the last one that comes along. There'll, there'll be no, more. It won't. Uh, they'll be built. The next one will be bigger than this one. And we need people like like Daniel or like uh, Nehemiah 
who were in positions of great respect that rose to positions of authority but had integrity and could actually speak the truth, speak God's truth, but with an air of respect. Yes. Absolutely. On this whole idea of looking at global warming as as, as um, sort of just an example or metaphor of something bigger, does this incident suggest to you the possibility of similar deceptions even right now ongoing in other scientific issues of public consequence like, you know, the whole issue around the vaccines, the big push to give everybody vaccinated, you know, the big push in the pharmaceutical community, uh, we mentioned about, you know, uh, fossil fuels, but the peak oil, uh, hysteria, resource shortages and the like. Should we presume that what, what you've observed, you know, in your area of expertise in global warming, that we should expect these similar kind of deceptions are innate? We have to be very, very careful, especially in, in medical issues. And I'm not an expert in that particular arena at all, so I can't really advise one way or the other. But I've seen it in so many areas, like, for instance, uh, energy. Just looking at energy, we have more energy in this country than we can use in 500 years. We have more than adequate energy, but they're looking at green energy that's much more expensive and so forth and really is not as, as uh, reliable or anything else as the fossil, as they say, the shale oil in Colorado, Utah, and, and Wyoming. We have more natural gas than we can use in 200 years in those deposits. And what did Congress do? They passed a law that locked most of that up earlier this year. So it, it, we're seeing some deception on a, big, a scale that is so big that it's hard to imagine. And I think a lot of congressmen and senators who voted for that bill didn't really understand what they were voting for. It was all hidden. Mm-hmm. As we were talking about before, whatever is done in secret can be used for corrupting purposes, and that's exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny... Uh... We sound like a broken record here on Future Quake because it's almost deception of the week. Uh, <laughs> deception Quake. We're a different topic every week, but it is some deception by one of our revered institutions that has to be exposed. Uh, and time and time again, we remind our listeners that the Bible tells us to anticipate this. You know, we've yes. mentioned over and over again, Revelation 18, where it says, The kings of the earth and the great merchants of the earth conspire together. And they use sorcery or pharmakia by which to mm-hmm. deceive the nations of the earth. And I don't believe that that, uh, that could be more explicit. And I think they had places like East Anglia University in mind, in groups like this, when they were looking forward at this. Um, what does this event and other data you have? You, you mentioned follow the money. Is there anything else you'd yeah. like to add about what you think the real agenda is? You mentioned global governance to bring in global government. Are there any other agendas uh, that these global power brokers have and their scientific henchmen? Well, basically, the whole purpose of global governance is control, control, control. And they want to, in fact, we were able to show Congress, the U.S. Senate, when they're trying to ratify the biodiversity treaty, language within what is known as the Global Biodiversity Assessment, which, in fact, the treaty itself was only 18 pages long, but they had a 3,000-page document to explain what that treaty meant. And we told the U.S. Senate where to go and what to find and so forth. And one of the key notes of that was that they were extolling the co-concept of feudalism. And in that feudal system, what they would do is to carve out themselves as being the lords and the masters and so forth, uh, the, the nobility and so forth. And the rest, there would be no middle class. It would be either 
or serfs or the freemen, which would be just one notch above serfs. Right. That's what they're show, that's what they're going for, and we need to understand that. There's also five major power factions in this world vying for the top dog of this new world government. The first one is England and, and the the axis between England and the United States. It's been ongoing now for hundreds of years. Uh, the other one is the, the, the socialist Europeans. Russia was one. They've kind of lost gain, ground here the mm-hmm. last 10 years, uh, but they're trying to regain that now. And China, of course, is coming on like a lion. Uh, and the, finally, the Islamic communities, the Islam world, uh, is the fifth. Now, there are many factions within those. Sure. But nonetheless, those are the big power plays, and you have to be careful about what they say because – there, it may be nothing more than a power play between one faction and another, and it, the only result is that it destroys us. Uh, they could care less about us. Human, humanity is is just fodder as far as they're concerned. Mm-hmm. But these messages, uh, we, the messages we get in our news about what is going on, what is important, whether no. it's global warming or things, this is just information for us to digest, to give a rubber stamp to these kind of battles between these groups, correct? That yeah, often has nothing. It's a, right. it's a power struggle between these groups, and they will fabricate these kind of stories uh, to try to tip the balance of power through our right. unwitting support of these right. uh, largely irrelevant issues. Now, you have to recognize a lot of people that are involved in doing this really don't understand what their place is. Right. They don't have a big picture. They're just doing what they want to do within their area of expertise. For instance, Osama bin Laden didn't have any idea of, of the role that he was playing. We predicted way back in the 1990s that we would have a major terrorist attack on the United States and it would be led by Osama bin Laden because they were grooming him right. to do that. And mm. as a consequence, when it happened, I wasn't a bit surprised. No, I want to make sure I heard you. I want to hear that. Yeah. Make sure I understood what you just said. Could you say that again? Uh, because <laughs> that that's amazing to hear an evangelical person and a Sunday school teacher actually say that. You said that they were grooming Osama bin Laden to prepare him for conducting a terrorist attack here, correct? That is correct. You know, I am shocked at your insight to be able to see that. Uh, there are evangelicals everywhere tearing their clothes and renting them because of what you just said. But if you think clearly... Do you have that, that, do you have that article published still where we can find yeah, it on the website? Yeah, we, it's in our uh, discerningtoday.org website. Go to, I wow. think, 1998, and I don't remember what month it was, but I think it was in one of those 1998 articles. It might have been in 1999, but I think it was mm-hmm. 1998 that we said that there was going to be a major terrorist attack. We also said that China was preparing for asymmetric warfare in which they were going to go after our computers. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what's been going on here the last five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this is not prophecy. God didn't tell us this. This is available information for anybody who wants to dig it out. Mm-hmm. But, but Dr. Kaufman... It sure sounds like Bible the, prophecy. The, the, the thing is, is that... Um, you know, the more we do our show, and we're, we're very carefully laying out a case as we learn more and, and are challenging our own understanding as Christians, it, it, I'm, I'm being led more and more to the belief that these wars that we've experienced, very few and maybe none of them are good wars. They've right. all been set up to for somebody else's objective to accomplish something else, and they've given us a line to feel good about. And I find this draws me more and more to a biblical view of the world. It hurts me as an American, as a patriotic American, to say that. 
because the A of America gets smaller and smaller to me, but the B of the Bible gets bigger and bigger. And and I find this to be very, very painful, and I was shocked to hear you say that because those are almost forbidden words in evangelical circles to even suggest something like that Mm -hmm. Uh, because we we, we tow a certain view in a a party line and things like that that we're not even allowed in discussion to put two and two together like that. And I'm just I'm just very glad yeah. to hear I know. You free say those, and open thinking and discourse. I know you say those sort of things, and people think you're a loose cannon. That's exactly right. right. And uh, we've got to excommunicate him. It's a little reinforcement for us to hear somebody like yourself. Grab the bell, book, and candle. Who, who we know you have a good relationship with the Lord to uh, to be able to see those same kind of obvious yeah. things too. And uh, but but again, it it reinforces the fact that deception among institutions was told in the Bible. They're all part of the great the great Babylon system, are they not? The, yeah. the legislative, the uh, merchant economic systems, these are all aspects that they control over our systems itself. Now, we mentioned earlier in our show that um, th- this almost was a real gift to have this uh, exposure and whoever was the hacker that did this. It's funny to hear on the mainstream media, all they've done is not even hardly looked at the data, just castigated the person who released the data. Which, by the way, it should be public data. If they're using uh, computers that were paid for by this program, the information that's sent over there. When I worked for the government, any data I sent over that computer was was public information, was available for the public. So there should be no problem with information being available to people, even personal emails. Now, that's a very interesting thing because I just read a a little blurb on it that – some uh, a computer expert got a hold of it and said that what in fact happened is is just a very novice hacker kind of basically went through the trash and found it on a public server that was being it was going to be thrown out and they just they were totally sloppy there was not really any hacking involved that's well, not true oh really okay no that cannot be true because uh, first of all like the United States. England is, it has a law to prevent them from ever deleting an email. And so as a consequence, if they were deleting those emails, which they had done, they had deleted emails on certain issues, all their, their tracks are erased completely for what they did in the 2007 IPCC report, for instance. They, they actually have an email saying to delete everything that they did about that. But to delete wholesale that, that level of things and just throw it out in the trash, as it were, uh, they would never do that. Uh, it would be... It would be uh, suicide for them to do that if, if somebody came in and checked, found that they had all that all the back records and so forth deleted. Now they may delete selected ones where it's impossible to see if they're that they're gone unless you do a real in-depth uh, search of the hard drive and so forth. But uh, to do it wholesale is just extremely unlikely. Mm-hmm. The fact that they basically admitted that they wrote them and so forth is is suggesting that either somebody uh, really on the inside really wanted to expose what was going on because he was so dis- or she was so disgusted, mm-hmm. or it was hacked. Well, I want to thank them, and I want to pray for that person's protection, but I also want to, to understand this may be just a God thing that happened, yeah. uh, where he sent a warning to those of us who have ears to hear, and many will, yeah. not, will not have ears to hear. But there's some who may have been on the fence and not too sure and for very uh, sincere purposes. And maybe this will turn them over to understand the deception going on in the world. But uh, we need to pray 
that this this spiritual battle, and if we fight in the spiritual world, that there will be more exposure, and it will come to light like this. So as we come here to the conclusion, uh, I'm going to ask you, Dr. Kaufman, to lead us in prayer, that you would actually pray that in the spirit realm that God would work a work to be able to rescue and redeem as many people from the deceptions that Satan are doing like this in the world, and that he also, if he needs to raise up individuals, that he will uh, be able to speak to them in that manner, and that he'll protect them when they take actions on behalf of their fellow man. So if you would briefly lead us in prayer, I'd sure appreciate that. I would do that. Uh, Before I do, I just want to give you a 1999, August issue of 1999 of Discerning the Times, and uh, you can find that on discerningtoday.org. If you wow. go to 1999, August, you'll find that article we wrote about. I am going to look that up. I am fascinated. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's go to prayer. Yeah. Father, we just come before you, Lord, and we exalt you for who you are. You are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. You have told us many times what is going to be coming in the future, what has happened yes. in the past. We can understand you want what you want us to do, Lord. Individually, it's an individual basis, and we need to seek you on what you want us to do. But you have told us that we have to confront evil for wherever we find it. If it's nothing more than just trying to expose it, if it's more where you quit your job or, or whatever mm-hmm. the case might be, we would ask, Lord, that people would be on their knees asking you for what you, their role is in your plan. And we ask, Lord, too, that all of this evil, we we have an opportunity here that we I never thought was ever going to happen, but I know that if it was uh, your will, it would, and it has happened. We have a glimpse into the behind-the-scenes yes. uh, machinations of what these people are doing, and it's evil, evil. They don't think it's evil. They right. think they were right. But, Lord, they were still evil in doing what they were doing. Maybe they had no evil intent, but they did what was evil. And, Lord, we ask that you would just expose that wherever you find it. Even in the case of NASA and this new lawsuit, Laurel Freedom of Information Act, if there has been evil done there, as I can't help but think that there is, that that would be exposed. If I'm wrong, Lord, I need to know that, too. We all need to know that. But at the same time, Lord, we need to have this exposed and allow people to have the opportunity to understand what the truth is. Uh, What they do with that is up to them and you, Lord, but I pray that they would at least have that opportunity to know that they have been lied to and that they have the opportunity of seeking the truth, and the truth is always with you, Lord. And mm-hmm. so we just get this over to you, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you just put upon our hearts what you want us to do as individuals and sometimes corporately, yes. and that, Lord, that you would be with us, enabling us to do that, and just, Lord, being there every day, every every second. Lord, we just give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Heavenly Father, I just pray thank you so much for our dear friend and combatant in the faith, Dr. Mm -hmm. Kaufman, and I just thank you so much for him. And listeners, I want to tell you, this is a a call to each of you. Um, You have a responsibility with this information. Uh, You have a responsibility to share it with other people. The Lord has brought it to you for your enlightenment. You need to share it with everyone you know. Anywhere you see deception or fraud, you have an obligation as a Christian to bring truth and light, even if it's a corrupt local sheriff or a congressman, or anyone else in a community or institution that you have, you, you as a Christian are there to bring salt and light and to dispel darkness. And so I just ask that each of you would be charged to get about that business. And if it's assisting Dr. Kaufman, uh, I want to, you to share with us how our listeners can support your work 
and uh, get your materials and further educate themselves. Yeah, well, they, they can do that by going to any websites that we've given out during this hour, or hour and a half. Uh, they usually have a support button there. And I, I, I'm not saying this just to try to get donations and so forth, but we've basically depleted our entire retirement package trying to get this mm-hmm. information out. And mm-hmm. and I'm not unique in this. I know other people right. have done the same thing because they feel so convicted for it. Now we know Any, some we know some ministries that actually have bought some new jumbo jets. Yeah. With with contributions, you don't have a similar setup, do you? No. Well, <laughs> not jumbo jets. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But any help that you can give is is really appreciated. And of course, we do have the DVDs that you can pass around and so forth, and and really help people understand this. And our no cap and trade website, we've been told, is one of the best on the web. As far as finding uh, providing background material. Uh, the, the YouTube videos are outstanding. Uh, it is really an opportunity to pass those along to your email list and so forth uh, for helping people to understand what basically they don't pay much attention to. And why should they? I mean, it's one, not mm-hmm. one of those things that they're that interested in. But they're going to get interested if it goes through because all of a sudden they're going to find their standard of living is going to be cut in half. Mm-hmm. Right. Wow. And, and even worse than that, it's because of total deception. And that money is is not going because we were living beyond our means. It's because it's being transferred to evil, deceptive people who are profiteering from it. God bless you, Dr. Kaufman. I thank you so much, you you and your wife and and all of your uh, people who help you. Um, And you let us know anything else we can do. Thanks for your extended visit with us today. It will not be in vain, I'm sure. And uh, please keep us posted on anything we can do or any new updates that you hear. All right. Okay. All right. Thank Bye you. Now. God bless. Yeah. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, get me to a truth shelter because we're getting carpet bombed here in this <laughs> interview by Mike. Would you explain that? Well, man, his whole thing, like he mentioned that in discerningtoday.org, you can find an article that he wrote in 1999 that said that he said specifically in the article that the CIA was training Osama bin Laden. Mm-hmm. For terrorism stuff, in August of 1999, he wrote that. Mm-hmm. It's like, wow. Now you haven't verified that, right? I have not looked it he up. Could no. be deceiving us with that data. This is true. Well, easily deceptive. Maybe I should have looked it up I don't before know I said his... it to half a million people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't know Dr. Kaufman's reputation. I would sure hope he's not the deceptive type. I don't think he's a deceptive guy, yes. but I have not. That is unfounded. But he did make that assertion, and he made it very clear here. In the well, interview. you know, based upon um, uh, Al Gore's honesty, they gave him a Nobel Peace Prize. So I would, I would hope that his would be at least as good as the honesty of Al Gore. Except Al Gore's not honest. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe you said he's one of our favorite sons here in Nashville. <laughs> Dr. Kaufman, we sure appreciate him. Uh, we love him, his brother in the Lord, mm-hmm. and we appreciate his faithful service. One thing you could really do to help him is to support his ministry. Mm-hmm. And also, it would help your um, church group. It would help your youth, your family members, your children, others to watch this material. Get away from the uh, programming and mind control that we call schools. Uh, that uh, they're completely uninformed. No. That's at best. At best, they're uninformed Mm -hmm. if it's not premeditated. Yeah. Uh, You hope at the local level it's mostly being uninformed. Uh, We'd hope. And we have a duty. I sort of have reason to to believe otherwise, but that's a whole other show. I understand. Someone who is informed, though, is Merv, who can inform you how to contact us here at FutureQuake. 
Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, that's it. All right, man, let's get out of here. Tomorrow is tomorrow's Trevor's. Okay. More great guests. Awesome. Yeah. The deception gets worse next week. Uh, I, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah. And I'm not looking forward to that. I mean, I am. It's, well, it's, it's something that needs to be said, but yeah. it's not happy. Well, our guests can also not look forward to it next week. And until <laughs> then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom. Shocked and confused. Bionic. And what are you shocked and confused about? It's foreshadowing. Okay. I'll wait to hear about that. Uh, it's Friday. Do you know what that means? It is time for us to do some goofing around and some news stories and try and intersperse the extreme dread and insane insane depth of uh, like how, how big, how, how like the noose is around our neck with kind of some funny comments. And then right back into, like, just extreme dread. You know, <clears throat> if that was the title of that show, how would I type all that on futurequake.com? That would take I'm up not a the page and a half. Talk to the web department. How about this? It's tomorrow's tremors or today's review of the future's news. Well, you could have just asked me. <laughs> wah, 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 wah. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you. We hope you enjoyed our uh, interview this week with... Uh, Michael Kaufman, and I appreciate him coming in at short notice. And um, that was one of those late breaking news stories. Yeah, I'm glad we did that. Michael Kaufman, uh, you know what I, you know what I enjoy about some people is that they tend to have a passion about whatever they're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, and Michael, uh, Michael, like we're sitting around. Having, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Doctor Kaufman. Um, Doctor Kaufman was just gracious with his time, and you know, gracious with laying things out that were uh, very clear and taking technical stuff that. Mm-hmm. You know, it was hard and making it not mm-hmm. so hard. And he cares. And he cares. And he is paid in spades for what he believes in. And uh, that's why we really appreciate that. And basically, he's shown to be accurate and right on the money. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was the first person I thought of when all the news came out like, about this stuff. Like a prophet or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. Except, you know, he hasn't been sawn in two. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> But speaking of that, see if we can get his mantle. I feel like I've been sawn into because I just got back from a trip to Israel mm-hmm. on business, and uh, I've had every part of my body fall apart in the process. And excuse me, my throat is <coughs> sort of excuse me a late breaking problem with it. So appreciate everybody's prayers, but every part of my constitution has been ill ill affected by it. Well, I thought you were just going over there for business. Turns out they had the whole. You know, he's going to sign a few documents. Turns out they've got the whole. Thing. I think there were some like some of those rays Germ from the hills that were on. attached. At me. Yeah. You know, it was in the northernmost part of the country, mm-hmm. actually north of of southern Lebanon. Mm-hmm. 
mm. very on the very northern edge. And I happened to ask somebody there, I said, you know, how close are we to Damascus? And I, I recollect them saying something like 20 kilometers. Wow. Just like 12 miles. Yeah. Like the, the main capital city of one of their worst enemies. Wow. You could like, you could like, Bomb Damascus if you had a good throwing. You know, yeah, I mean that's less like a remote-controlled airplane, much less a missile. Yeah, and so you know when I think about Isaiah 17 war, I just think the devastation would be in that area where I was. You would be like right there. Yeah, there'd be a big <clears throat> flash, mm-hmm. and you'd be looking on the horizon, and then this big shock wave would roll over you, and that'd mm-hmm. be it. I saw some maneuvers, you know, some tanks and stuff while I was there. Mm-hmm. And as I was watching that, I just thought, you know, this is going to be the real McCoy and not just one of these skirmishes. You know, <clears throat> in Isaiah 17, it says even in Israel that uh, people will be as rare as the gold of Ophir. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be devastating, but it's going to st- start the process of turning their heart to the Lord. Well, I hope that doesn't... It's I sad hope, that there's so much bloodshed involved you know, to get people's attention. Yeah, I hope that... I, You know, watching this whole thing, you know, we mentioned Dr. Kaufman being gracious with her, with her time. One of the things I worry about is... We get, you know, all of these things are getting exposed, and it leaves the people who are moving towards this one-world government no option but to, you know, induce this mm-hmm. super lethal virus out and kill 80 to 90 percent of us off, you mm-hmm. know, so that... Did you think about that when you've been hearing me, basically? I was going to say, double can, over can, we get you a, can we get you a bubble to do Future Quake in? <laughs> Great. Yeah. Thanks. The, new, the Future Mobile will be like the Pope's car, you know? Well, I hope I'm not contagious to our listeners. <laughs> hope that doesn't happen. Thank you, Henny Young. <clears throat> hey, you've got some stories for us. Would yeah, you like to share yeah. this? Uh, sure. Uh, let's see. We've got a couple of them here. Uh, this is a. This is. I'm going to sit in the seat of scoffers over here. Okay. While okay. You do that. Uh, Yahoo, Verizon. Our spy capabilities would shock, confuse our customers. Uh, that's a direct quote. Um, this came in via Wired magazine. Want to know how much phone companies and internet service providers charge to funnel your private communications or records to U.S. law enforcement and spy agencies? Question mark. That's the question Muckraker, an Indiana University graduate student, Christopher Sogian, asked all agencies within the Department of Justice under a Freedom of Information Act request file, filed a few months ago. But before the agencies could provide the data, Verizon and Yahoo intervened and filed an objection on the grounds that, among other things, they would be ridiculed and publicly shamed were their surveillance price sheets made public. Hmm. <laughs> They'd be ridiculed and publicly shamed. Yes. Yahoo. Now, we just had a week where the scientists in the university institutions of the world were shown to be covering up stuff tracking over data and not wanting the public to know. And now you're saying one of our major corporate companies like this mm-hmm. has stuff. You know, I get the feeling that secrecy is not a good thing. You would think but not. But usually it's not something in the best intentions of the public. Mm-hmm. Correct, sir. Okay. Correct. Uh, Yahoo writes in its 12-page objection letter uh, that if its pricing information were disclosed to Sogian, he would use it to shame Yahoo and other companies and to, quote, shock their customers. Therefore, release of Yahoo's information is reasonably likely to lead to impairment of its reputation for protection of user privacy and security, which is a competitive disadvantage for technology companies. Like, that is like the ultimate in doublespeak, Mm -hmm. is it not? Yeah. 
we can't release the fact that we're releasing your uh, records out because releasing, telling you how much we're getting paid for releasing your records would, prefer, you know, destroy your privacy. Yeah, okay, I get it. Yeah, talk to Yahoo. Mm-hmm. That's their reasoning. Okay. Verizon took a different stance. It objected to the release of its law enforcement legal compliance guide because it might confuse customers and lead them to think that records and surveillance capability, capabilities available only to law enforcement would be available to them as well, resulting in a flood of customer calls to the company asking for trap and trace orders. Customers may see a listing of records, information or assisting that is available only to law enforcement, Verizon writes in its letter, but call in to Verizon and seek those same services. Such calls would stretch limited resources, especially those that are reserved only for law enforcement emergencies. Other customers, upon seeing the types of surveillance law enforcement can do, might become unnecessarily frayed that their lines have been tapped or call Verizon to ask if their lines are tapped. A, a question we cannot answer. Yeah. Uh, Verizon does disclose a little tidbit in its letter saying that the company received tens of thousands of requests annually for customer records and information from law enforcement agencies. Hmm. So what do you make of all that? How would you summarize that? I would summarize that in uh, saying that uh, secrecy is bad, that we're getting uh, we're getting surveilled freely, and they don't want to disclose how crazy the grid has become because it mm-hmm. might shock and confuse people. Mm-hmm. It caused panic to people. Yeah. So it'd be better if the if the same things were still done. Let's not reevaluate the sanity of what we're doing or. or the good intentions of it. Mm-hmm. Let's just try to keep the public in the dark. Yes, that's the preferred yes method. Exactly. You know, we need to get Catherine Albrecht on our show. She would be awesome because she can put the big picture together mm-hmm. of the technology they have, the nature mm-hmm. of the data, and what they do with it. Mm-hmm. So we need to have her comments. I'd you love got, to get her. Got another one for us? Yeah, man. Do we want to hear about uh, uh, this 9-11 flight school guy getting busted for drugs? Or yes. <laughs> that didn't go very far. All right. Uh, I speak on behalf of all Futurians. There you go. Millions out there. Yep. Uh, this comes via one of my favorite websites called Cryptagon.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, and How they, many sided polygon is a cryptagon? Oh, it's like fourth dimensional. Okay. It's not like a dodecahedron, is it? No, that's okay. what, 21 sides? Uh, just 20. 20? Okay. Uh, anyway, pilot for 9-11 flight school considered grave threat to national security. U.S. Customs agent on duty when controversial drug pilot and soldier of fortune Michael Brassington attempted to re-enter the U.S. through Fort Lauderdale International Airport in April of 2004 was instructed by a supervisor at Immigrations and Customs Enforcement to treat Brassington, a longtime employee and business associate of Wallace J. Hilliard, owner of the flight school that taught Muhammad Atta to fly, as a grave threat to national security. A notation had been placed after Brassington's name on his computer screen, Sanders said. It provided, at long last, official confer- confirmation on our rep- of our reporting. Brassington had an active lookout, quote-unquote, for narcotics, Sanders said. And there was, there was the date, July 25, 2000, that he'd been caught. Come to find out later, he'd been working for a 9-11 flight school owner named Wally Hilliard. But I only found that out after I'd discovered the website Mad Cow Productions. Uh, It's kind of strange that the whole subject never came up while I was working down there, and I just couldn't have imagined that this was all connected to 9-11. 
While customs agent Sanders was examining his narcotics record, in the computer, Braskington began brandishing a letter from a top official in the U.S. Department of Homeland Security. I was looking at Brassington's narcotics record on the computer, said Sanders, still incredulous about the, me- the, le- the memory, when he handed me a letter from Washington. Despite Brassington's ongoing participation in a criminal enterprise, the letter seemed clearly designed to smooth his reentry into the United States. Bright was a local ICE agent, uh, and I guess he was tracking Brassington, Sanders says, so I called him up and I told him about the letter. Uh, Agent Bright said, uh, you can just re- disregard the letter and told me to ignore it. Uh, he described Mike Brassington to be to me as a grave threat to national security. He told me that he needed to check him, search him, and search all of his passengers and all of his equipment. That is a very strange uh, connection of events there. Yeah, what do you make of that? How do you interpret that for us? Well, there's been that... <clears throat> we we talked at length uh, several future quakes ago about the whole idea of this uh, um, uh, this flight school down there where they're mm-hmm. supposed to be flying drugs into, which was the same place they held the Zebulon 3 missile, I think it was, back in the 70s to hide it from prying eyes. And there's just... Uh, the city council voted to close it because there were too many black budget products projects going on there. And now we find out the guy was training, um, uh, the guy who trained uh, um, uh, these 9-11 hijackers who worked at the school also got busted for flying drugs. So hmm. there's something... That shows a government connection because the government's usually involved most of the drug running, right? That's uh, There are people who affirm that, and I would say that there's enough evidence to certainly investigate that for sure. Mm-hmm. Maybe we should have somebody on here to talk yeah, about Yeah, we it. need to do that. We Maybe need to have a show. Trafficant on. Because there's trafficking. Yeah, James Trafficking. Yeah. I think he'd be a wonderful Futurian to yeah. have a show. I'd like to. Hopefully he would say that there was intelligent life here. <laughs> he would want to be beamed away from future quake. Yeah, there you go. I would hope. Beam me up, Scott. I think he could relate to my hairstyle at least. Mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've got one story. Okay. Even or if uh, you're feeling up to being it. weak of, yeah. of, of uh, body, but hopefully not so much of mind. Um, <clears throat> this is a good classic one by one of our favorite people, Eric Prince. Oh. Keeps us busy. Let's see if we can get him on future questions. We really need to. Yeah. Uh, well, he's doing so much work for the CNP right now that. Uh, oh, the that CIA? CNP. No, the CNP. Yes. The evangelical group. Yep. And several of the big uh, evangelical ministries. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he's not in that federal court case. No. Uh, Blackwater founder, this is from Washington Post, you know that conspiracy rag. Yeah. Washington Post. Blackwater founder says he aided secret programs. Uh, this just came out Thursday, December 3rd. The founder of Blackwater Worldwide acknowledged in an interview published Wednesday that he had helped the CIA with secret programs targeting top al-Qaeda leaders, a role he says was intended to give the agency, quote, unattributable capability, unquote, in sensitive missions. Eric, in other words, do things they didn't want to admit that they could do, yeah. like around the law. Uh-huh. Okay, Eric Prince, owner of the military contractor now known as XE Services, which is formerly Blackwater, told Vanity Fair magazine that he performed numerous, quote, very risky missions, unquote, for the spy agency, some of which were prop- improperly exposed in leaks to the news media. The magazine, which was granted rare access to Prince and his deputies at the company's facilities in the United States and Afghanistan, said the former Navy SEAL had served a dual role for the CIA 
as both a contractor and an, quote, asset, or spy, who carried out secret missions as recently as two months ago when the Obama administration terminated his contract. That means he's working for different agencies that don't know the other agency he's working for. Wow. Which means they could be looking at the other, like the military could be watching them on behalf of another agency. That, that makes my forehead cave and in and out. You've got a guy who's not even a government uh, employee, much less a military member, mm-hmm. who's actually doing it. Okay. <clears throat> okay. This is why he was doing it when the Obama administration terminated his contract. Mm-hmm. Among other previously undisclosed roles, Prince ran intelligence gathering operations to coordinate the movement of undercover operatives in, quote, one of the so-called axis of evil countries, unquote, mm-hmm. the magazine said, citing unidentified sources familiar with his activities. Uh, but when it came, it became politically expedient to do so, Someone threw me under the bus, Prince said, referring to recent leaks about his company's CIA ties. Yeah. Meaning that we would have never known otherwise. Blackwater was identified in media reports this summer as a participant in a secret CIA program that sought to use special teams of assassins to kill or capture al-Qaeda leaders overseas. The program was halted in July after CIA Director Leon Panetta privately briefed congressional leaders about the effort and acknowledged that under the Bush administration, the agency had delivery kept lawmakers in the dark. Current and former intelligence officials have acknowledged that the program existed in three different forms over the past decade, but was never fully operational. Yeah, right. (laughs) The only trigger that got pulled... The only one that was ever even close to being pulled was the one that finally killed the whole idea. A source familiar with the matter said sure. Wednesday. <laughs> uh, Vanity Fair said the assassin team program was begun in 2001 uh, under Enrique Rick Prado, then CIA chief of operations for counterterrorism. When Prado left the CIA to join Blackwater in 2004, he essentially took the program with him, securing an arrangement that would allow contractors to assume the risk and deflect blame from the agency if things went wrong. So that's another level of deniability for the CIA. Yeah. One is secretly get your money where mm-hmm. they don't know. Don't say anything to Congress about what you do. And now you're just getting contractors is another level mm-hmm. to do it. It says uh, in closing here, it says, We were building a unilateral, unattributable capability, Prince was quoted as saying. If it went bad, we weren't expecting the chief of station, the ambassador, or anyone to bail us out. Wow. Very interesting. Well, that'll Bottom line, let me just put the motto here. Mm -hmm. If anything in your wildest imagination you could think in the movies or TV or whatever that your government could be involved in, Mm -hmm. they're involved in more extreme measures than that. Yeah. Well, that'll go nicely with this thing from this little article from Foreign Policy. Uh, Destroying Al-Qaeda is not an option. The old al-Qaeda is no more. At least 40% of its leadership circa 2001 has either been killed or captured. New faces have fared no better. July 2008, 11 of the organization's 20 most wanted have been put out of commission. What remains is probably a hollow organization represented by a core of insulated figureheads such as Osama bin Laden and Ayman al-Zawahiri surrounded by eager cadres of uh, jihadist newcomers. Before long, the West may just hold a barrel to al-Qaeda's collective forehead. Uh, should it press the trigger. Gut instinct and righteousness, 
funny. Scream yes. But a better answer might be not yet. The world would be wise to keep Al-Qaeda alive, paradoxically enough, for security reasons. Yep. Right. <laughs> right. Jeez. Right. Uh, like it or not. Real security is not the point. It's perceptions of things. And does these threats serve the purposes of the people in power? That's exactly the point. Yes. Mm-hmm. High five to Dr. Future. Yeah, ding, ding, I, ding. I'd give you a big high five if you weren't all that contagious and stuff. Thanks. Uh, uh, you like can come it. over my iron lung and give me a hug. There you go. Like it or not, keeping a battered al-Qaeda intact, if weak, is the world's best hope funneling Islamic fanatics into one social network uh, where they stand the best chance of being spotted, tracked, and contained. The alternative, destroying the terrorist group, would risk fragmenting al-Qaeda into thousands of cells, and these would be much harder to follow and possible to eradicate if the counterterrorism, blah, blah, blah. That was really the whole point, was the fact that you can't kill al-Qaeda. Because we mm-hmm. need him. Right. Meanwhile, this guy's going, well, we can't, you know, we had to make this double secret black project where we went and killed Al-Qaeda. And mm-hmm. they're saying, well, foreign policy, mm-hmm. you know, foreign policy magazine is saying, well, we can't kill Al-Qaeda. You know, this idea is so old. You look at 1984, the book. Mm-hmm. They always had that perpetual war. We were always at war with East Asia. We were always at war with Eurasia. There was always the constant thing going on. And... uh you know, somebody messed up and ended the Cold War. Mm-hmm. And so that was the thing that we could justify doing horrible things mm-hmm. to people. We need to do yeah. these we, big money going to defense stuff. Yeah. We need to. <laughs> it's it's so funny. We need all of these secret black projects to kill Al-Qaeda. And then this other thing is saying we need to not kill Al-Qaeda because uh, it may make worse terrorist attacks. So it's like somebody's lying. So let's Maybe. dig holes and then fill them. Yeah. And pay t- and spend taxpayer money doing it. Mm-hmm. All in the name of security. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I have no ounce of credibility anymore in the news in what they're saying. You know, when they come up, like, for example, this whole thing about the uh, Iraqi soldiers coming in and taking the babies out of the incubators in Kuwait, which mm-hmm. was the justification... Turns out, if, if I've understood that correctly, is those people were on like our payroll, the people who testified to that. Oh, that really? They were the nurses there in Kuwait. It's possible, certainly possible. I may be wrong on that, but uh, that was my understanding. Yeah. But over and over again, at just the opportune time, mm-hmm. this information come forward. It's sent in our major news. Yeah, we got a new know, enemy du jour. We we you know. I don't know what it is about things like that. Like you had that guy, you had this whole climate gate thing, and then all of a sudden you've got this. It seems like every time something big against the New World Order breaks, you know, you have some sort of like big school shooting or something. They got to deflect attention. Yeah, get it off the pages. And I don't know what's going on with that. Maybe, maybe our our guest next week might know. Our guest next week would have an answer for that. Yeah, because they'll be able to say, "Hey, you need a school shooting. We'll have you one next week." Yeah, I know. Boy, that is some heavy, heavy talk there. But it's something that needs. But to that's be that's the ramifications of yeah. what people hear. Yeah, exactly. You know, <clears throat> when you hear next week's talk. All of the shows that we've had up to now will be like a stroll in the park. I know, and I'm scared for that. All of the ones that we've had up to now, you will think will be so refreshing and uplifting. The shows we've had in the last five years of Future Quake compared to what will be broached next week. And, you know, there won't be enough time in one show to even scratch the surface of what our guests next week will cover. Well, maybe we should do two. First time ever. Well, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. We'll see the feedback from the people. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well... In fact, I would suggest for next week, you might want to get some hot towels, 
like when you take a long flight, you know, mm-hmm. just to sort of rub your, you know how it is, because it'll be very stressful and exhausting. Next week's show. Wow. Yeah, I know. I, I, I know that I sort of tipped you off on this guy, but you read yes, everything he's done. Some of our best shows we ever have were guests you suggested. Well, uh, you must be very delirious if no. that's what you're saying. No, everybody loved Elliot Nash. He was on recently. He was good, wasn't he? So the feedback we've gotten. Mm-hmm. Everybody really liked it. Yeah. And a number of guests that you brought our way. Well, I appreciate it. I try and contribute in some small, pathetic way. Yeah. It's, it's pathetic, but it's much larger. <laughs> it's largely pathetic. Not small. No, I'm teasing. You got anything else? We've yeah, got, got uh, we still got a. We still got plenty of time. Three minutes. Yep. Um, just time it for three minutes. All right. Well, I've or got, you can pontificate for three. You well, pick. Uh, boy, if I get rolling, it won't stop. Uh, let me well, just. You can get on your high horse. That's another option. Let, you let have. me let me just blast through these four stories here. Four stories. All in, yeah, but there's only like it's it's only like a couple paragraphs from each one. Okay. Hurry. Dubai and deep water as ripples from debt crisis spread. This is really not news, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, fear of a dangerous new phase in economic crisis swept around the globe yesterday as traders responded to a shocking announcement that debt-laden Dubai State Corporation was a- unable to meet its interest bill. Shares plunged, weak currencies were battered, and more than right. uh, 14, 14 billion uh, in British pounds were wiped from the, at va- from the value of British banks. Uh, nervous traders transferred the focus of their anxieties from the risk of the companies, blah, blah, blah. It was a big deal. You, mm-hmm. Everybody remembers sure, it, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah, hard to miss that one. These are cities that are like the most magnificent cities in the world that went up overnight. Yeah. And everybody said all of the money the world's moved this direction, and suddenly they can't pay their bills. Yep. Uh, well, guess who all was involved? Bankers from Rothschild involved after, with the buy collapse uh, via the telegraph. You mean causing it? Well, Paul Reynolds, Paul Reynolds uh, no, not necessarily causing it, although anything's possible. Because right. there's reports. An interesting thing that I read was that he was already in there before they, he was in Dubai before they missed their debt payment. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hmm. Yeah. Uh, Paul Reynolds, uh, a head of Rothschild's advisory operations in the Middle East, was this week asked to work for the Dubai government's chief restructuring officer along right, alongside Aidan Burkett of Deloitte & Touche, or, well, it's just Deloitte, who was appointed on Wednesday. The team is tasked with assessing the group's assets, which is likely to result in a large-scale sell-off of assets as varied as the QE2 cruise liner, Turnberry, the golf course that hosted this year's Open Champion, and a raft of other properties. So we've got this banker from Rothschilds who is in there uh, directing the collapse, or maybe not. He's, he's there doing something. Mm-hmm. We don't know. We're not sure. And this is what the really interesting thing um, this is from the day of the collapse. Okay. Uh, we got about 30 seconds. Okay. The London Stock Exchange, PLC, has halted electronic trading because of technical issues, quote-unquote. The LSC says the breaking of trading on Thursday is due to connectivity issues, but it hasn't yet determined the root cause of the problem. Well, I did some digging. I found out that the, uh, uh, the stuff that caused this problem was owned and serviced by a company that was owned by 23% by the, uh, uh, the National Dubai Holding Company. Oh, is that right? <laughs> yeah. Good research. Yeah. Very, very good. And that's all I have. They will do whatever they want to. Boy, and there's many more pages to that one. When it comes to worldwide investment, either you're on the inside or you're on the outside of the confidence game. Mm-hmm. And yep. you'll be holding the bag. Yep. Speaking of holding the bag, Merv, would you come in and tell our listeners how to contact us here at FutureQuake? FutureQuake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com 
suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we're last 20 seconds or so. Let's hit it. Been an intense couple of weeks. I know. Been hard. Next week's going to be even a harder one. I know. It's not going to be as cheery as it's been around here so far. I have to get like some inhalers and stuff and the black towel, well, black towels, the hot towels and the yeah. hot tea and stuff. Yeah, I would, I would lay down when you listen to the show next week. I would, wouldn't, wouldn't be standing up. Um, it's going to be very intense, but we've got a lot to learn about the world ahead of us. We love all of you Futurians out there. We appreciate you. We hope you have a good weekend. And until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake.